0: Welcome to episode thirty-six of the Hike or Die Outdoor Adventure Podcast. I am back, and I am back here with Craig. How are you, mate?
1: Hey, good, Tom. How are
0: you? Yeah, good, good. Hey, mate, what what is the um, similarities between hiking with children and hiking with you?
1: <sighs> There's, no, there's no, no similarity there. You're right, there
0: is no similarity. It is infinitely easier to hike with kids than you. <laughs> um, guys, stick around. It's not all about kids. You've you still got to keep tuned into this, even if you don't have kids. Craig, play the music, man. We've got to get into it. Thank you, as always, to our regular podcast sponsors for their support. Topo Maps Plus, a phone application that allows you to view topographical maps and track your location even without cell phone coverage. Go deeper into the backcountry. Rios Floating Polarized Sunglasses with 100% UV protection for the love of water. Bluey Merino, Australian Superfine Merino Wool Base, Mid, and Top Layer Garments. Where our story ends, yours is just beginning. Carabee, one of Australia's leading backpack, travel, and outdoor brands. They supply us with dry bags, waterproof day packs, and expedition bags. Supporting our sponsors allows us to continue to produce this podcast, so please jump online and check out what they have to offer. Our premium sponsor for this episode is Yukon Jack. Celebrate at the summit or at the end of a long hike with Yukon Jack 100 Proof Shots. Available in five great flavours that go hand in hand with your wildest adventures. Yukon Jack. Only the strong survive. We would like to begin by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land from which we broadcast today and pay our respects to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander listeners. Craig, what's going on, mate?
1: Hey Tom, it's great to be back in the seat, mate. We've had a little bit of it's time been off. A,
0: Well, even last time we recorded it, I wasn't in the seat, was I? That's right. I was sitting at home.
1: You're in person.
0: Mm, yeah, it's the real deal.
1: Yeah, mate, that's great.
0: And it um, feels pretty good. It's been quite the uh, little break we've had. I'm not going to go into a long spiel of excuses. Um, hmm. It's just been life.
1: And tell us what and, you've been up to, um, man.
0: Well, we've been up to so much. Hey, you know what I realized um, in the last podcast? That I didn't tell you about this big hiking trip or this big hike I did with my, f- my whole family. All right. Um, and then I thought about it, uh, given today's topic, I thought, oh, I'll probably save that till later now. Yeah, right. <laughs> i just tell you at the start of that. Bit of a uh, But yeah, we did that. So, um did I tell you about, oh, I don't think, this is the thing is um, Craig and I keep in touch, but sometimes we don't have a, um, or even though we did catch up last week, but we didn't talk about anything really about what we've been up to, so.
1: No, you it, said, you know, canoe trip, that's pretty much yeah, all I yeah. know, so tell us about it, whatever. Yeah, so
0: um, um, it's good for us to catch up and you guys get to just sit there and put up with us catching up. <laughs> pretty much. Um I, I was uh, at my house um, a couple of weeks back and I work from home. And so I've gone to the kitchen sink and I was washing my coffee mug or something like that. And I'm kind of, you know, I'm just looking out the kitchen window, just kind of daydreaming. And I look out uh, probably 10 meters from the kitchen window and there's this enormous python, Yeah. Round about, I'd say 10 foot long Oh, absolute monster as thick as your arm. (laughs) Right. And just cruising through my yard. Yeah. And my neighbor on one side did tell me, um, two days before that they had one on their back veranda, but it had since moved on. And I thought that's that thing still hanging around. And if you don't know, um pythons they generally only ha- hang around when there's a food source um and so i thought i just burst outside. i were running outside and um thought, i got to see where this thing's going and he's going i've got um two chickens that just waltz around the yard all day mm. and he was um he or she was was moving towards yeah the chickens just kind of food. must have sent them scented that's not a word caught their scent Yeah. And, uh, was moving in, I think, to check them out. And, uh, so I've gone down and, um, they're thick as bricks. I'm trying to get, move them away. And anyway, long story short, uh, I thought I got to get this thing away. So I went and got a big, um, plastic bin and, um, kind of wrangled this thing for half an hour into, um, it's all wrapped around my arm and. It was unbelievably strong, and I got it into this bin, and it calmed right down, um, but yeah, it was, it was about half an hour, it kept trying, it looping around um, branches in trees, and then it was trying to go to my neighbor's place, and I know that they've got a dog, and I thought that's not going to end well, um, so yeah, I, I persevered, and I, it calmed down, and I got it in this bin, and I drove it um, like down the road a fair way, and then took it into the bush and released it, and it was totally chilled out. Oh, cool. um, but oh man, I, that was kind of my lunch break, <laughs> and um, it, it got the uh, it got the heart rate up.
1: Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, because we've seen plenty. We've um, mm. been up close in person with plenty of snakes, but um, you and I aren't quite. Well, I will speak for myself. I'm not skilled enough to handle the snakes. Uh, I don't feel confident. Um, but having watched it lots of times, having been up close to them, you're tempted with those pythons just to, to handle them and move them out of the way. So good on you, man. So how did, you know, did it have a go at
0: you? Um, only, only when you first grab them, they, they don't like it. But once, um. They're pretty quick to get away then. they they? Yeah. Then it tried to move pretty quickly and I had to, um, it went under one tree and I, I couldn't really get a good hold of it. And I was in a compromising position where it um may have been able to get me yeah and so i had to let it go and then run around the bush to the other side and pick up where i left off and (laughs) so it was kind of like cat and mouse for a while but i made the mistake of trying to go up some um palm trees and that's where i was able to kind of get a good handle on it and yeah. Oh, yeah, it's quite the adventure.
1: Do you reckon you'll be able to, like, next time, be a little bit more confident and oh, get... Oh,
0: that's, um, that's not the first snake I've handled. Oh, I thought it might have been. No, it's not. I've been, um, you know, grabbing the odd snake here and there. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm that, tempted. i well, quite... have you seen that photo on Instagram of one wrapped up around oh, yeah. my whole yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a pretty small little python, wasn't it? It was
0: small in diameter. It was still probably...
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. 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 No, it was
0: I, still probably five foot long. I recall now. But but in small in diameter, this thing was pretty. Um, yeah. Because
1: I'm tempted. I see, see him around here. And I think I oh, just. But something just. I'm just a bit nervous about it still. <laughs> <laughs> I just haven't. And, and it's probably, you know, the family saying, don't go near it.
0: So yeah, I think. Uh, look, I think it's best to. Leave things alone. (laughs) It is best to um, leave things alone. (laughs) Because they're just going about their day. But this was, this was, uh, and I'm, you know, just justifying myself here by saying there's a different situation where, um, it was in, not that I live in suburbia, but it's still it was in an environment where when I first got to it, it was heading towards the road and, um, yeah, that, that's only spells disaster for snakes of that size. They're not quick enough to move, so... Yeah, it was super interesting. It was absolutely beautiful um, animal. By the time we parted ways, we parted on good terms. Yeah, good, right? Yeah, good stuff. That's one thing that's happened. Yeah. Oh, there's a list. There's a list, man. Um, The canoe trip. So I went on a four-day canoe trip with my dad. It's the same place that um, you and I went many, many years ago. Up the Everglades? Uh, is it everglades, everglades it's yeah. called yeah. yeah sweet um and it was good that's the second time this year i've been up there which is some kind of record and i just feel it drawing me back again already so as you know i've already set a date for early next year to get yourself and a couple of others up there and, yeah. and do um a good sort of make a good few days out of it yeah uh it, it's one of those places where an, um, and we've talked about this a lot and I was actually talking about it with my dad and uh, we would make jokes about it actually on the way up. We'd say, oh, when are they going to put a road in here so that there can be a big restaurant right on the edge of this river so we don't have to paddle all the way. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long <laughs> but way. But it's exactly the <laughs> reason we like the place is you literally can't get there unless you walk or you paddle a boat. Yeah. And... Um, those are sorts of places I like because it, you kind of earn your spot there. And because of that, it's not the sort of place that day trippers cruise around. No. Um, I've been up, I've done a solo trip there, as you know, and I didn't see anyone for two and a half days, uh, which is fantastic. At the time it wasn't, but <laughs> in hindsight it wasn't. Yeah. Um now I'm used to that sort of thing. I could go a week without seeing somebody, but
1: No, time in the water's a bit different, eh? It's like
0: it's completely man, different, yeah. It's peaceful. It's a, it's a different pace again. Um when you're hiking there's no such thing as coasting. I mean you could you could argue with that and say when you get into a rhythm of just cruising. What I mean is you can do a half a dozen paddles and mm. then stop paddling and the boat keeps moving uh, while you're watching a bird yeah. or something. Um, that doesn't happen when you're hiking. As soon as you stop no, right. walking, everything stops and you're not actually making any <laughs> <the> ground. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, I get it. That's good. Um,
0: so yeah, that sort of thing It's just a nice way to travel. Uh, and that does what really resonated with me on the last two trips this year was how, what a perfect way it is to travel. Um, I've always liked it, but, it's time to get stuck into it a bit more, I reckon.
1: Mm. Well, I've just um, I've just locked in three days away on my own.
0: Yeah, when you leave in a couple of days, don't you?
1: Yep, this weekend. Yep. Yeah, you're right. So it's going to be um, quite a difficult march out, like just for me because I'm a bit, a little bit out of shape in terms of how many <laughs> times I've been doing these climbs, and if you
0: remember it, it's well, there's. There's no climbing. Oh, there's a tiny little. No, just the elevation. Yeah, there's a gradual walk. Hmm. But then you'll go down straight away. I'm talking about coming back out. Oh, coming out! Oh, you're going to be a absolute be mess. If I was you, I'd leave on the second day, so that you could get <laughs> home on the third day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's going to be a challenge too.
0: Oh, I, I remember being-
1: Hold my ass out. When I <laughs> hiked out
0: of there, I was peak fitness because I was training for my first um, Tasmanian trip. Right, yeah. So, I was training hard with the pack on all the time, multiple days a week. And I remember hiking out of there going, yeah, that was pretty, <laughs> that was significant. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I mean, I expect to see you, in, um, mm. you know, on the news or something. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Just to make sure you got that no. um, Eperb with you.
1: We um, went through there once. I'd never camped there, so it'll be good to a couple of nights, actually, beside a waterfall. Mm. But, um, yeah, at the bottom of a range and you have to start from the top, go down and then come back up on when you exit. So, mm. yeah, a bit of time with no, no phone coverage and a, a bit of headspace. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, that's the way to go. Yeah, man. We all need it. Uh Thomas Evil is a guy from Sweden that uh we're insta friends with. Mm-hmm. And he was a guest on episode eleven. We had an absolutely fantastic conversation. He sent me a message out of the blue. because uh, we we did keep in touch and I think that's tends to happen a lot with uh with guests is you um you build up a bit of a rapport in the lead up to the the podcast and then you really um get to know them so well that you keep in touch afterwards yeah anyway if you remember he was sitting in the forest um yep yep as he was um talking to us talking to us yeah and He said, oh, there's a moose that hangs around here called Kent. He named it Kent. Yeah. And he said to me, he wrote me this message and he said, hi, hope everything is fine over there. Just wanted to throw some happy news for me, uh, that in the place I sat and made my coffee when you interviewed me, there is now a wolf couple who also just had five puppies. (laughs) Do not think Kent the moose appreciates it as much, though. (laughs)
1: <laughs> wow, that's that's how amazing. cool is that? Yeah, so, that's in amazing. the same
0: area that he frequents, um, there's a pair of wolves that have, uh, yeah, that have had little, little pups. Wow, I oh, thought that was absolutely delightful news. No, good for him to reach out, man. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Um, just this week, I got, uh, or was in the last, last few days at least, um. I got a message, a DM in Instagram, from a guy called Louie who goes by the name of Louis the Viking. Uh, on one of his accounts, and the Trail Gamers on another account. Anyway, Louis sends me this message, and he says, um, basically, he started listening to our podcast about two weeks ago, and he's um, he's hooked, and he's already smashed out a dozen. He's still loving it, um, which is great. And he said he's gone on two hikes so far. And then the second one, his mates and he says, my mates and I didn't prepare enough, trekked through six hours of knee-deep marsh and woke up stuck in a blizzard in Tasmania. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> when I read that, the, the way that it's written when I read it, he didn't say at the start that he was in Tasmania. So it kind of sounded to me like he started hiking, I don't know, somewhere on the mainland and then woke, because it says then I woke up in a blizzard in Tasmania. <laughs> yeah, and I thought, I holy it? heck, that reminds me of like, um, oh, what's that? Um, the Hangover yeah. movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> they just wake up and then I don't remember what's happened. Um, but no, I'm, I'm pretty sure he started hiking in Tassie and therefore – Ended up waking up in a blizzard in Tassie. <laughs> uh, anyway, you, you won't. This is hilarious. I'm sorry. I'm not laughing at him. I'm laughing with him. Yeah. Um. Luckily, we had phone reception and could call for a chopper. Oh, what? <laughs> yes. Um. They got choppered out. Really. Unbelievable. I've never done that. It's not fair. <laughs> uh, it's not fair. Jeez. Anyway. Um. He said that it reminded him of uh, our first hike. Remember, I think it's our first podcast, isn't it? Where it all began. And, um, we talk about the bushfire that we woke up to Yeah, and how, I guess there's a big discussion in that. I remember saying to you at the time, and I remember saying it in that episode as well, like, is this what we've signed up for? Is this what hiking is? Nearly dying every time you go out in the wilderness. And, uh, he said it reminded him of that, but it hasn't disheartened his growing love for hiking. All right. Um, he goes on to say your podcasts are fueling the fire and I feel like my next hike will be 110% better from the knowledge I've taken away from you too. So that's pretty cool. If um, I always say this like a broken record, but if it's helping somebody, even the um, stuff we do wrong, then it's a good thing. Uh, this is the funniest bit of the whole message. You ready? Ready, yeah. He says, thanks for all the inspiration and laughs. You guys are a national treasure to Australia. <laughs> <laughs> he just went too far. <laughs> he sent me a message afterwards. I said, oh, that's the funniest thing anyone's ever sent. <laughs> it's the kindest words. And uh, he wrote back and said, yeah, you should be on um, a dollar bill or something.
1: <laughs> <laughs> dollar bill. We don't have them.
0: No, no, beyond the coin. Yeah. Hey, uh, I want to quickly. I want to do two things. I want to say thank you to people who have uh, in the past and continue to support us on Kofi. Um, it's yeah, it's awesome because these things do do cost money, and um, it's fantastic. But what Kofi also gives me the opportunity to do is have a very simple platform to be able to sell merchandise and if you saw an insta story a couple of weeks back you'd see that i just got a whole bunch of high dice stickers printed mm-hmm. and they are kick ass yeah they're great and i got two sizes i got one they're both on extremely durable vinyl and they're they're die cut so they're kind of the shape of the boot um think of our logo Um, so I've got a size that's kind of cool for laptops. In fact, there's one on my laptop right now. And then I got a, quite a big size that is for, you know, to slap on your car or something like that. And I got that one, uh, UV laminated. So it's got an extra coating on. So specifically, um, look, they'll both be fine outdoors, but this big one is, is the, um, the bee's knees, as they say. Now they're not, on Kofi yet, I've just got to go take a few photographs of them. And, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. to be honest, I've struggled with, with finding a, uh, a, a cost that I'm happy with, given that I need to factor in international shipping and stuff like that. And also I wanted to take it a step further I'm yet to decide on the exact percentage or dollar value, but every, um, sticker or sticker pack that we sell, I'm going to be, um, donating some of the profits to some kind of outdoor organization or something like that and with that I didn't want to be um I didn't want to just do an Australian organization because I felt like um I don't know there's as far as I'm concerned that the whole world is there for us to kind of contribute to. So instead of just picking an Australian, um, organization, I thought what I'd do is every quarter of the year, that is, I would, um, change, um, organizations that we give their profits to. And yeah, if you've got any ideas in your local area, it doesn't matter how big or small, um, the idea is that I'll just, I'll just pick something every quarter and whatever we make in profits in that quarter, I'll, I'll put a percentage towards that. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, it, I mean, you, you should feel good about buying a sticker, mm. promoting the brand, uh, living the, uh, the mantra, hike or die, but also that, um, a percentage of that's going to be going to a good place. So the least we can do. Oh, that's a good move, Tom. Yeah, man. So look out for that. I can't, <clears throat> I can't put a, uh, i can't put a um time limit on it there's a lot going on at the moment but definitely by i reckon next episode i'll probably have some pretty solid solid news about that sound good yeah mate. that sounds great very good i'll tell you some other exciting things is um talking about brands and stuff you know uh so we use topo maps plus They're one of our sponsors, they have been since, well, for years now. And I've always liked the app, but what has continued to amaze me is the evolution of that app. And they've not asked me to come on and say this, but it is um, the constant advancement of that app. And they're constantly adding new maps. And they're just about to release a whole bunch of new apps for Australia which Mm. is really cool because the the maps, did I say maps or apps?
1: Yeah, I'm afraid you said apps. I think I
0: said apps. There's only one app, but they're going to be uh, putting new maps on. That makes sense. They constantly upgrade their maps uh, in the US and in other places in the world. Uh, And I always thought the Australian ones were fantastic, but um, they develop partnerships with map companies and then they're able to to use them um and one of the really cool features that they've just um enabled is called these geospatial pdfs uh which at first i'd never really heard of them i did a bit of research on it and you can export um these pdfs directly from the app uh, and you can share them even offline you can share them with other people um yeah it's pretty cool like i said that they just never stop um they just never stopped adding cool features. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, because I remember um, when they added uh, line of sight, like you, you yep. never used to be able to do line of sight. Now you can put a pin on a mountaintop on the map that you can actually see in front of you and, and sort of say how far that is. Yes, yeah. Which you never used to be able to do. And the other thing they've got now is you can trace with your finger on mm-hmm. the map and say, so, you know, what if I went this way? Oh, that's, that's X amount of distance. Oh, well, what if I went this way? Yeah. And, uh, I don't know, it's just cool. I've, I've been using it. I've always used it, but I'm starting to kind of try and use more of the functionality. And the more that I use it, the more I think, oh yeah, I really need to get deeper into this because it's, um, it's not just a, you know, it's not just Google maps. It's like way deeper than that.
1: You know, the maps are awesome. I love how you can, as you said, draw with your finger and mm. it snaps to the trail and then it yep. it, it keeps you updated. And I, like I remember it was it was giving me some funny readings between that and my Garmin watch. It was just not quite right, but it was just how there was the end point was just a little bit different. It's so accurate, man. Yeah. It is absolutely know, dead accurate. You're doing
0: it off your phone. And, and I thought, oh,
1: something's wrong here. But, and it and, works
0: with our phone connection. Yeah. I got up that river with... Um, with my dad, I, I've, I went up there in May and I plotted the, every single campsite. Yeah, sure. For 20 kilometers. And so as we were getting close, I would turn on a, um, like a 300 meter proximity alarm. onto To oh, the yeah. next campsite. Yep. And then just put it in my pocket and forget about it. Paddle, paddle, paddle. <laughs> and then your phone would go, you know.
1: So you don't go fast. So you don't paddle um, (laughs) past.
0: Well, not so much that, but you know how like when you, you just want to know, are we almost there? Are we almost there? Yeah. Yeah. Um, But, but having said that, to Craig's point, (laughs) there's a couple of those campsites, put it this way, the first time we went there, we missed, we didn't even see him. Yeah. It wasn't until the second time I went there that I found some more. And then the third time I went there, I found even more. So yeah. Um, because they're really tucked away. But, yeah, I think the proximity alarm is awesome. Um, no, it's good stuff. Uh, finally, just doing the housekeeping, kids, just uh, hang in with us here. The uh, We just received a package this morning from Caribbean, Australia, and I've just given you a couple of new packs for testing. Indeed, yep. Uh they look really cool i I got mine out today and checked them all out and I can't wait to get out and test them uh what's absolutely awesome for you guys is um that Carby has given me four packs for giveaways mm. and uh I can't give you any details of how that's gonna go down, but again just like the stickers, I should have it all sorted out by the next episode and I'll tell you what you need to do. I'm thinking about maybe doing one per episode for the next four episodes or something like that. Uh, there's two really cool sort of small day packs and there's two really cool, I'd say s- small overnighters or, or big kind of full day packs. If oh, yeah. Hiking with kids or something like that. Oh, that's cool. So yeah, that's really awesome. So we've got those to look forward to, and uh, and you guys have got those to look forward to, coming soon to a podcast near you. Only this one to be specific. <laughs> you cannot get them anywhere else. Oh. All right, Craig. Enough housekeeping. You had enough of that.
1: Oh, I've got a bit of housekeeping. Oh, jeez.
0: How <laughs> rude of me. <laughs> what have I done now? No,
1: it's what have I done? Do you want to hear about it?
0: Uh, yeah, kind
1: of. I said something last time. It was, it was not right. Um. I have a correction. I have to, I have to.
0: Oh, right.
1: I exaggerated the Australian population. Did you? I did. And it, it haunted me for a few days. I, I looked it, it up. I said 28 or 29 million people here in Australia. What is
0: there? Three million?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's only 25.
0: Okay. There's good. only
1: 25 million. Because we were comparing with US of A.
0: Yes, you're you're talking about that um the,
1: you know the size, how the, yeah, 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 yeah. the land size, yep, Australia yep. versus USA. And the three hundred and thirty three million people that they have over in the in the United States. And I said we had a, a few more than we have, so only twenty five million here. I just wanted to clarify.
0: No, good on you, mate. Um, on that same note, I'm not sure if it came to me in an email or um I think it might have been <laughs> someone pick it you? up. No, no, someone, um, they said, not mentioning any names, but whoever said the population (laughs) of Australia is an idiot. Um, no, they, they never said that. Nobody ever said that. Good, mate. Good. Somebody wrote to me and said, um, oh, it was an email. It was definitely an email. Someone emailed me and said, Hey, um, I'm guessing you mean the U.S. without Alaska, right? Mm. And that is most definitely the case. Yep. Um, yep. Yep. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, th- that is not included in in that 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 yeah. numbers in the because Alaska yeah. itself is is enormous. Like yeah, of It's course, probably yeah. the size of Australia. Um, I'll get corrected on that now. It's probably not. Uh, anyway, yeah. Thanks for correcting us, guys. We love yeah. it. Good on you, Craig, for correcting yourself. Oh, well. Um, uh, so many people, little kids, were listening last time and they got that wrong in exams. That's right. From listening to you.
1: <laughs> I don't want to misrepresent.
0: And then their parents said, you're never listening to that podcast again. Those, so they didn't hear your correction.
1: Those baboons, <laughs> they don't know. Well,
0: there's only one that doesn't know. <laughs> one, one doesn't clarify and the other one gets it wrong. Right. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's move on to some more stories I can get wrong. Uh here's the headline. After ninety two years, Grand Teton National Park has its first female chief ranger. Erica Jostad is the first female ranger in its ninety two year history. I thought that was pretty cool. Wow. She um she's really excited about it, as you would be. And um she's got a, a heck of a lot it's only it's a very short article um not that that <laughs> takes anything away my point is um there's not much that i've got to say about it mm. then it's just really cool and uh i think she says you know it's wonderful that we're reaching new audiences now and uh that there's a new um a new Wave of people coming through and experiencing things like camping, hiking, backcountry travel, and river travel. Uh, so she's obviously looking forward to tackling everything that a a chief ranger does Sounds in good. that national park. And um, yeah, credit where credit's due. I think that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Good on you, Erica. In a very similar. Um, vein. The next headline I've got for you is a local story. Local, I mean, by state, actually, it's that local. Indigenous rangers at Carnarvon Gorge in Queensland stoked to be working on country. Um, On country is a term our overseas listeners might not be Familiar with? Uh, it's it's a term that Indigenous people would use. How would you say, Craig, about spending time on the land, sort of from which they've come from? It's yeah, it's like kind of, it's it's hard to heritage put into English, background. Isn't it? Yeah, it's not. It doesn't mean any one thing, but origin, sort of. Yeah, that's right. So when they say, "Oh, I'm on country," they um, has a very specific meaning to do with their roots uh, and their history. So anyway, that's where, I just want to clarify that in the headline. Mm -hmm. Um, Sheridan Lawton's, her, this is how cool it is, her indigenous history and ancestry goes directly back to that exact region in that exact area. So sure. she's just not working on any national park. She's working yep. on the exact national park that uh, is protecting monuments and the areas where her forefathers and um, her lineage no, goes makes, back. Makes sense. It makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, well, why is it that? Why is it that hard to? Yeah. I mean, if. I mean, any uh, any person's going to protect. If I if I had a role, I'd I'd protect, um, you know, the wilderness. I because that's and all our listeners are like that as well. Then add um, that kind of indigenous, I guess, profile, whatever you want to call it, into the mix. That real connection with the earth. But then go one step further to, to that and saying, well, not only a uh, you indigenous but you come from this exact area um, I just I think it's mind-blowing and and she specifically targeted that area yeah. for yeah. years like she went and did um took three months off work and did work experience there yeah uh, volunteered rather you know n- not paid to, to kind of get her foot in the door and then Few years later, now she's she applied for the role and she got it. Yeah, that's brilliant. Uh, I think it's cool because what better connection are you going to have as a visitor uh, to bump into somebody whose um, who's heritage is directly from the region that you're traveling through? Well, yeah, it's right. better for everybody,
1: yeah. Right. Did it's you cool. say she was as a ranger officer there, or is she a guide or something? No, no, tourist? she's a ranger.
0: Yeah, working as a ranger. Um, oh, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, she's that's a great. Ranger. I'll try and he oh man, I always love pronouncing things, don't I? Oh, here we go. She's from, it turns out she's from three, uh, how would you say it? Tribes? Um, yeah, clan. Clans, something like that. Um, Bjar- Bajara, Buchula, and Gnalu, sorry, Gangula, Gangalu, Gangalu, I reckon that is. And, uh, yeah, her, um, ancestors have walked, sung and lived, uh, in that area Mm. forever. I, I think it's a fantastic story. There's some cool pictures of her in the, in the, uh, article getting around, doing her job. And it also goes on, um, so the son of a Bajara man and, why is it do I have to pronounce the hard one all the time? Gungalu woman, uh, who is a relative. He says, um, it's enormous. It's uh, it makes sense that we have female rangers, and it's fantastic. Oh, my heart sang when I heard that um, she was given the opportunity to work in that space. Um I think it's fantastic for mm-hmm. everybody in that area. Like I said, everyone wins uh I've been to that place and it is uh there's a photo on on Instagram of uh that I took and I posted a couple of years ago and it's all um handprints on a cave wall yeah right and that whole uh national park was like a, a meeting area for thousands of years where they would come to that specific area and have meetings um trade discuss things um and all sorts of things in that exact national park and hence the reason there's so many paintings they all came and, and did paintings while they were there mm-hmm. um you know how they kind of spray paint their hands with the ochre yeah I do, yeah do. Yeah, yeah, sure. of those all around yeah cool um it, yeah it's a, you definitely when you go there you think wow this this place is is deep there's actually a picture of it. Yeah. Um, ah, cool. Good news.
1: Yeah, that's nice, mate. Uh,
0: look at this segue. It's not only really a segue at all. It's rather a jump back to to Thomas Evung's experience. For the first time in a century, California has two breeding wolf packs. Uh, in 2011... California saw its first wolf in 87 years. So they were wiped out by, you know, sort of ranches and cattle yeah, guys. Just, yeah, yeah. just decimated the population because they're obviously, um, doing what they do and, and hunting and yeah. taking out livestock. So they destroyed them all. And, uh, so yeah, 2011, what was that? Um, 10 years ago, 11 years ago, the first wolf turned up in 87 years and then they had one breeding pack yeah. and now they've confirmed that they have two oh, wow. uh reproducing packs which is pretty cool so that's only going to um that's only going to increase and um before you sort of make any judgment on that you need to understand that even though there are predator they belong in that landscape um as do our predators on our landscape in australia they're there for a reason and they're there to to maintain balance and the only reason they were ever taken away was was for obviously for financial gain um Mm -hmm. so they could keep livestock Mm. it wasn't they they weren't trying to save the area or anything Mm -hmm. um so anyway yeah
1: did you say they've just naturally returned, or was there some yes. No, reintroduction? Yes, no, there was or? no reintroduction.
0: Really? Yeah, wow. it, it um, the grey wolves just turned up in 2011.
1: Nature finds a way, man. That's great.
0: Yeah, it does. It does. Uh, I think it's cool. Yeah, yeah. I was happy to read that one. Uh, Bibbleman, Bibbleman track. I've spoken about this before. It's um. One of the longest trails in Australia, if not the longest. It's over in Western Australia. Have you heard of that one? Yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just over a thousand kilometers. I think it's one thousand and two kilometers. Oh, what would that make? It's six hundred miles. Yeah, yep, yeah. Right, yeah six hundred miles. Yeah, six hundred miles. This might we well, might we may we, may, <laughs> no, no, we may no. have to come no, back next week. <laughs> the only reason I know um is sixty miles an hour is hundred kilometres an hour. Yeah. Yeah. So six hundred miles would be a thousand kilometres. Yep. Boy oh boy if we get that <laughs> wrong, so we, so Uh just shutting this whole thing. We went down. through that one together anyway. Mike's down. Um we're quitting. It's all over <laughs> if we got that wrong. Um, After running, crawling, hurdling, and climbing for 1,000 kilometers, Erica Laurie has smashed the track record by half a day, running up to 100 kilometers a day. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, She did it in, let me get this accurately. She did it in 10 days and 18 hours. Um breaking it was a friend's record had eleven days, seven hours. So she um she actually broke her friend's record to make hmm. it in under eleven days. Yeah, right. Which is mind blowing. Um pretty like an awesome effort. It's a really cool article. She she um says uh that the weather was was pretty um unpredictable and so There are a lot of trees down that she wasn't expecting, so she'd be running along and then all of a sudden there's Hmm. a massive tree and so she's climbing over this one, crawling under this one. And then she said, because (laughs) of the bad weather, um, sometimes she was swimming across streams that, (laughs) that should have just been, you know, like maybe ankle deep or, yeah, yeah, so everything was not how, um, she expected it. Yeah, right. Which kinda of made me think, wow, she might have been a half a day quicker had she not had all of those um well, pardon the pun, but hurdles you know path. But <laughs> well, it's pretty cool. Now the <laughs> this typical typical uh internet people. When I first saw this it was on a um it was posted on a like a Facebook group that I follow um, specifically for hiking related stuff. And, uh, you know, one of the like top comments was, was this grumpy person saying, oh, why? Like almost like, why, why bother? Why would you do that? And I'm not, I'm not going to go into a, uh, a big spiel about that. What I'll say is, first of all, each to their own, um, I've done very, very, very slow hikes. Um, let's take uh, Tasmania for example. I've done that three times now. I am considering one day returning there, and it's what a six-day hike. I'm considering returning there and thinking about like running the whole thing, just just because I, it it's it's interesting. Yeah. Yes. You're not going to see things the way that you see them. If you're taking your time, I'll admit that that's, that's fine. But, Mm -hmm. but you can't, um, take it away from somebody like, um, uh, I was trying to find her name, but it's not in Erica. And that's the second Erica in, um, yeah, that's weird. Yeah. wondering if i oh wow that is weird spelt the same way unusually mm. okay so um you can't take anything away from erica for for doing that
1: is like, that because when you went to tasmania with me you had to go too slow
0: <laughs> yeah now i kind of yeah like i regret going that slow <laughs> no, <laughs> no it's not it's not that at all it it's just almost like a why aren't you allowed to personal, set personal challenges and move at the pace you want to move through the wilderness. Like, I don't care if someone wants to, I used to be a little bit guilty of judging people who would go fast, but that's kind of changed when I got into trail running and stuff like that. You can, I don't know. Yeah.
1: Anyway. I remember we broached that and I thought it would be kind of awkward when you're running and everyone else is just walking. Like, do you, do you have to... Sort of give them notice that you want to pass and stuff like that. You know oh, what I, I mean? Think, like, um, the tra- the whole trail running thing is is new to me. I've had a, a couple of goes, but I make sure I'm in p- places where there's not <laughs> not too many people.
0: Yeah, look, I think I mean there was one American girl running um, when I did my first overland track solo. Yeah, what did you she think? Was running when and she, she she um it must've been about the third day she overtook me. And then that evening she was at the, um, at the cabin. Mm. And then the next morning I left and she overtook me. Um, and then I never saw her again because obviously she would have finished maybe two days before me. Mm. Um, at but the she, time you... I thought, yeah, look at the time that's kind of what I was alluding to earlier at the time. I thought, um, That's ridiculous but yeah there's two reasons why that comment's wrong now one is that was my first time on the trail where i was trying to soak it all in yeah sure take photographs take video and all that sort of stuff uh and two i i don't think she was doing it for the right reasons um she was um i don't know i think if you're doing it for the right reasons not trying to get attention or anything i I really like the, just just do what makes you feel happy. You're still spending time in the wilderness. There's a there's a good article, and I'm not going to go into it, but I will post it in the show notes. And that is uh, an article titled. Let me give the title for you. Um, no speed hikers aren't in inverted commas missing the point. And i had a good read of that article oh cool and it has some good um it basically elaborates on what we've just discussed and it has some good points and yeah i'm definitely whilst 99.9 percent of the time i'll move at a normal hiking pace yeah yeah yep, yep. I, I no longer have any resentment towards no people moving at a fast pace
1: no, I I don't think I would either. It's more that I think if I was running through the bush though, and I think I'd be a little bit um, conscious of the fact that other people don't want me doing that around them. But oh, I'd be cool. I with think it. that's
0: probably just yeah you manifesting. Yeah. that yeah. Um, because I've just let it Had be. people run past me and I just let it don't be. Don't care, you know. Yeah, you, you can. Um, I mean, if you're approaching some people, you can kind of say, you know, as you're getting close, like coming through or whatever. (laughs) Slow down to a walk and just pretend. Yeah, (laughs) speed walk. Just speed walk. I wasn't actually running back there. I was not running. I was never talking about. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Each to their own.
1: Yeah, no, just let it be, I reckon. That's good.
0: Uh, There was an article I also read. And it's titled, The Simple Act of Walking Changed My Life and It Can Change Yours. There's a guy called Jono It's the only way I could think of pronouncing that. Uh, He credits walking to changing his life as well as the way he thinks. Uh, It's a fairly long article, but there was a couple of points that really jumped out at me and I thought were, Again, it kind of resonated with me. He said that... Um, so he went through the Himalayas. And he, he did it all solo. And he said, I spent those months deeply engaged with my thoughts. I came to realize that what I was actually doing here in the mountains was coming to terms with the death of my younger brother, Gareth. Gareth had died in a tragic boating accident when he was 18 years old. And... I passed a couple of years afterwards into a downward spiral. When I spent time thinking, moving slowly, calmly, I realized the walking was bringing me to an understanding of his death. That was the real reason I went to the Himalayas. Um, I didn't know it at the time, but I was undertaking this crazy walk as some kind of a secular pilgrimage. Um a catharsis and I emerged from it with a new powerful sense of balance. I can see why. And I mean, he uses the word pilgrimage and, you know, often the word pilgrimage is is used in, uh, like long religious kind of that. I mean, there's still like Mm -hmm. heaps of them around. Mm. Um, I mean, we had, um, we talked about the shinjuku not shinjuku that's a that's a station in tokyo um shinkuku maybe let me just get that correct before everyone goes you got it wrong again um let me find it let me find it shikoku Shikoku pilgrimage, uh, was episode 31 with Paul Barak. He went on the Shikoku pilgrimage. So something that was originally created as more of a kind of spiritual kind of religious spiritual. thing. Yep, Uh, he did as a, as a hike and yep. a, along the way he, uh, you know, he did gain some insight into himself and in, in other sorts of things. So, mm-hmm. um, it's a pretty good kind of word for it. But there's an interesting part as well where it went in to talk about some um, scientific studies. And it says, research has shown, I feel like saying this to our audience is um, kind of like a waste of time because I think we already know it and that's why we're here. But hey, maybe you're new on board. Um, yeah. In fact, I know some of you are, are new, like Louis the Viking. Okay. Research has shown that when we increase our physical activity, we experience a spike in certain neurotransmitters that smooth our brain function and create a more open and creative mindset. When we're walking, we can also attain a heightened state of consciousness, sometimes called flow. I've been reading a lot about consciousness this last three or four weeks. And um, yes, it's a very good way of explaining it. Sometimes when you're hiking, the only place you can possibly have your mind is where you're hiking. And I think that's Mm. the difference between having, you know, you were talking earlier, you're going away where you're going to have uh, no devices. Sure. But when you're here with devices, they take your attention, they take you, they kind of remove you Mm -hmm. from being present and conscious.
1: No, mate, look, honestly, since we began the whole... The marching, I call it, when we're just Mm. getting from A to B, but we're, um, you know, just head down and hiking. That is is very cathartic and an ability to just um, think through thoughts and just stuff comes up and you know, it's it's um, yeah, it's it's like a type of therapy.
0: Yeah, most definitely is, Uh, which is why those. Japanese have the forest therapy and they just sure. and sit in the forest for exactly the same reasons. Yep. Mm, it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. Yeah, sweet. Hey, I'm going to do so. I'm moving into our, our topic now, but I'm going to do that by just quickly identifying a couple of um, news stories that popped up recently, which just fit perfectly into that um, hiking with kids. Five-year-old Harvey Sutton finishes Appalachian Trail just in time to start kindergarten.
1: <laughs>
0: How old and useless does that make you feel? Uh,
1: five years old is He's sweet.
0: known as Little Man on the Trail. He's one of the youngest to ever complete the trail. He actually started when he was four years old and finished when he was five yeah yeah <laughs> so he was gone for 209 days what uh he was with his parents obviously he didn't do this solo <laughs> uh <laughs> soft <laughs> breeding soft kids these days yeah anyway <laughs> with his mummy and daddy and they covered 2100 miles which is uh just under 3400 kilometers I know that's correct because I googled <laughs> it today. So checked don't it. even try it. Uh, so this little fella, um, <clears throat> Harvey says, it was hard work, but checking out the frogs and insects was fun, and sprinkling skittles on peanut butter tortillas <laughs> for energy. <laughs> All the fun stuff. Uh, well, that, that that folded so well into you know some of the notes I was writing. Mm. Um, you know, his his appreciation for the little things along the trail. Um, you know, we're talking about speed hiking earlier. Like you can hike with some people slowly and they still miss things because they're, they're not kind of aware. They don't have that awareness, but kids can have it at at another level above adults. That's for sure. Yep. His parents said that tending to him and keeping him entertained took their focus off their own pain. (laughs) Which is pretty cool it's a bonus everyone should take kids with them yeah yeah <laughs> get other people's kids get any kids take a <laughs> mic and you'll forget about your sore feet uh here's another awesome thing about what, what little harvey said or what his parents said about him was um you know we have this uh compulsion to give kids heaps of things and, and they'll ask for things and everything's like it's a, it's a material world. Um, just like Madonna said, she was, she was bang on. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it, what this little Harvey had with him, you like that? We've always you? said that, you know, I we've, always say, we've always said yeah.
1: she was bang on.
0: Yeah. I, I always say I'm a material girl. <laughs> I, I say it all the time. Um, he, he had with him, his pet rock was one of his items. So they're talking about the toys he had with him. Right. So this kid, for two hundred and nine days, yeah, was accompanied by a pet rock, a
1: very expensive pet rock,
0: a Hot Wheels car, right. a Hot Wheels car, sweet, a pocket watch, and he stopped at a dollar store somewhere along uh, in one of the towns and bought a calculator so that he could um, keep track of the miles and add them up. Yeah, and. That's uh, great. That also, I just thought this is absolute, um, this is fantastic. This is everything we're going to be talking about. Yeah. This is- uh, What a different perspective this, on things. The kids don't need, when, when I take my kids hiking, they'll play with a stick for two hours, you know? That's right. They'll make up a game with a stick.
1: Yeah. Everywhere yeah. they turn, there's a snake hole to discover. To, to stick their hands in. Yeah.
0: It's good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They, no,
1: like, like I was just saying that the kids were actually pretending that the other day. They were like pretending there were snake holes everywhere. It was like a game or something. Oh, you, you weren't. Know what I mean. They weren't real you snake weren't holes.
0: weren't sitting there <laughs> having a snack going, dare you to stick your hand in that snake hole, kids? <laughs>
1: no, no. They were, they were hunting for them, which was great.
0: That's great. Good. One day they're going <laughs> to get one and it's going to be real good. Uh you know who jordan jones is right he was uh and i hope we're progressed enough in episodes or rather series that jordan jones won a uh one of the alone series he's um a very he, he's on the joe rogan podcast um you, you might have heard of The J Rogan podcast, it's, it's almost as popular as this one. Uh, (laughs) anyway, he was a guest on that and he's a super interesting guy and he lived with, uh, reindeer herders in, um, where are they from? Like the edge of Russia or something, top part of Russia, something like that. And he lived with them for an extended period of time. So it's well worth listening to. Yeah. Um, that guy Is called he- Joe Rogan who has this little podcast he does uh, right. every now and then and looking for Jordan Jones. Anyway, I follow okay. him on um, Facebook and in keeping with our theme again, he posted um, about 10 pictures of his kids and they live out in the in the wilderness now as much as they can. And he says, and he writes... So there's pictures of these kids just covered in dirt and in these makeshift shelters, and one little kid's got a fish in his hand, and he says, "These kids, are aged one, four, five, six, and eight, they just completed a thirty-four mile out and back excursion to remote lakes, even adults hardly ever make it to. Um, mm. They did ten of those miles in on foot." Uh, in one day, except for the freeloading (laughs) one-year-old. Yeah. Uh, They climbed um, from 4,000 foot to 8,200 feet in elevation. Um, And for two weeks in the wilderness, they experienced an unpredictable sub-alpine storm, frosts, um, and discomfort, all while having good attitudes and building resilience and creativity in ways a school could never teach. Mm. Uh, when they were bored, they crafted their own toys. When they were hungry, they learned to catch their own fish and forage for berries. They explored undiscovered cave shelters. They played in the mud, jumped in Alpine lakes, pushed themselves in their boundaries in every way. That, that to me is the epitome of, um, fantastic parenting right there. Mm. Uh, Absolutely beautiful, and what he's written there is is gold I'm not you know I'm not suggesting that kids don't need that academic structure as well p- purely to kind of understand concepts that are far beyond me to teach mm. <laughs> I need teachers teaching my kids something sure. like math because as I've proved, I'm not good at it <laughs> that's their job right <laughs> so yeah, but uh but I think it definitely it is my job to to do these other things and, mm. um,
1: the outdoor education, mate.
0: The school of life. The school no, of life. I don't really like that term, but I think, I think it's much more than that. Uh, <clears throat> there's another article I was reading in, in preparation for this, uh, giving your children experiences instead of toys boost their intelligence and their happiness, intelligence and happiness. Um, Recent studies have revealed that giving your child too many things to play with can result in the opposite of the desired effect. They may actually be less happy. It's a very interesting article which I will post on the show notes, and uh, there, basically, I mean, it goes back to these, goes back to the pet rock and the and the um, what is it? The Hot Wheels car. Yeah, right, yep. It's um, basically an abundance of toys can overwhelm and distract kids, making them lose the concentration they needed to learn from the toys in the first place. Hmm. Um, Studies show that fewer but better toys lead to increased cooperation and sharing. Um, I know we're not talking about toys, but it did kind of... I did kind of think, well, yeah, maybe not, maybe not giving your kid everything. <clears throat> well, I guess what was really cool was they say providing your kids, um, with an experience instead of an object.
1: Yeah. Right. Yep.
0: Is it's you creating a memory. And I mean, think about it. Do you ever sort of think about, um, I don't, I think I can only remember like one cool toy I ever had, right? Mm-hmm. Because they just, they come and they go. But, um, I remember heaps of experiences with my parents. Yep. yep. Heaps of amazing places we went, um, heaps of amazing trips we did. And that, that's with me forever. But, uh, I think that's the, um, the beautiful thing. And I know for a fact that the time I've spent with my kids um. Sometimes they'll just bring them up in conversation. Remember that hike we did, and this thing happened, and I have to. I have yep. to think for a minute, and then oh yeah, I do remember that. Gee, you got a good memory. Mm-hmm. They're going to be talking about that in, um, ten, twenty, thirty, forty years time. They're still going to be talking about that. Mm-hmm. You can't take that away from somebody once it's ingrained.
1: Right, that's right. You're gonna get these experiences from. From some of those adventures we just read, and therefore, and they also can't take their toys with them. Is is mm. what you're getting mm. at? I mean, they may have a little hoard of a treasure chest at home of toys, but they can't take it all with them if they leave the house. So
0: yeah, and and if they do want to <coughs> take one or maybe two, there is a decision-making process there mm. about what are you going to leave at home and why, mm. and that's a whole another lesson for them because they might get there and think, I wish I had have done this. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one more article I'll just quickly um, discuss, and then I'll get stuck into it. From Obesity to Allergies, Outdoor Play is the Best Medicine for Children. This is a very good read, and again, it's a very long article, so I'm not going to go through it, but there's a couple of points that I'll just pull from it. And... um. They talk about brain health, creativity, um, reducing the incidence of allergies and asthma and things like that, because children are in the uh, in outdoor environments and sure. touching things and you know probably sticking their fingers in their mouth after touching. Oh, don't do wacky that. Wacky fungus or something like that. but <laughs> yeah, I get you know, Yeah, eating totally. blood, you know, all stuff like that, um, chewing on sticks. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do all these things and kids have always done that, or more so until recent times.
1: Yeah, it triggers the immune system and you need a yep. little bit of that.
0: And there's plenty. It, it goes on to make some very, very good... Um, oh, it actually says here they get their hands in the dirt, they're exposed to microbes that help them build their immunity. Um, they, I was reading another article years ago and I, and I could never find it again, but it said that, um, a massive, uh, like something like 60% of English children have never climbed a tree right. and how much that just the act of climbing a tree, uh, is about risk and reward and calculation. yeah, Motor skills. Uh, and sometimes your kid's going to sprain his wrist when he falls out the tree. Sometimes he might break his arm. Sure. Um, nobody wants that to happen, but the point is there's um, some decisions being made there. Oh, yeah. At a younger age, and uh, there's an understanding, even things like fear and that, they're, gonna, they're going to um, address fears, and mm. you know, I, th- I think it's super interesting. And,
1: oh, mate, I don't, I don't think we need to you know, sell the benefits of the outdoors to our no. listeners in particular, they're going to understand, but you know, yeah. fit, fitness, um, mental health, uh, bonding mm. with, with other people just when you're in the outdoors, it's, 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 it's heightened.
0: Yeah, um, exactly right. Uh, so yeah, on that note, I guess I'll move into a couple, I'll just briefly touch on a couple of, um, sort of things I've witnessed with my mm. own kids or, or others. And, and then I'll, we'll sort of start going into the how to, how to hike with kids rather than the why. Yes. Because as you said, I think it's, I think it's fairly obvious the why's. Yes. Um, so when I was on the Overland track, the same, the same, um, hike I was talking about, the one I did solo, I actually, on the very first day I ran into these parents who had, I think it was a a six and a eight-year-old. No, it might have been an eight and a 10-year-old. Two boys. They're an American couple and they were fantastic, nice people. And what happens on the overland track is if you move one cabin a day, mm. you run into everybody you did from the day before. Yep. Sometimes you'll pass them if they're having a break or if you're taking a rest or you just, you know, and then you meet up again and have a chat. Mm -hmm. So I got to talk to these, um, um, the same family and the same kids every night for sort of four, four or so nights until I did a side trail and then I, I didn't see them again, but they had little backpacks and they were plugging along and the little kid would hike with one of the parents while the big kid would hike with the other parent and they'd go ahead, uh, in an effort to kind of keep the older one engaged and the little one moving at his own pace. And then the um, older kid would kind of have a longer break and wait for the other one to catch up. But that, it was just beautiful seeing them. They were sleeping in tents um, yeah. for the most part. I think one night they slept in the cabins, but they were mostly in the tent, and they were just really nice kids. And I thought that was when that I would have probably only had one son at that point,
1: yeah. And I mean, we've been doing this hiking thing well before we had kids, but I think I remember yes, that's a good point. I you guess you saying that to me once, um, a mm. long time back. So, yeah, it, hey,
0: it, to me at the time, it seemed, um, this spectacular thing. I could almost not fathom, yeah, yeah. that it was yep. these kids were these kids must be special, but now after experiencing having my own children, I realized that they can all do it. Um, sure, sure. And that, that was what first opened my eyes. I've done countless, uh, hikes, um, with them. The one I was going to tell you about is, you know, how we were, um, at Jonas's place and we hiked down to the waterfall. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I took my whole family down there.
1: The one we camped at? Yeah. Oh, All right. So on
0: the way we got to the river and it was up too high. I yeah, was about yeah. knee high and it was kind of raging a little bit.
1: Yeah. You've said it's been higher than when we were there. Yeah. yeah.
0: And so I opted not to kind of risk it, not so much from a safety perspective, just from if they got wet shoes and it's pretty cold there at that time, if they got wet shoes, they'd be stuck in them all day. Yeah. Um. So what I decided to try and do was um, instead of crossing the river, tried to go over that steep ridge mm-hmm. to get down into that horseshoe yep. and it was on like you were crawling like all fours crawling up and there's moss and stuff and i said to the kids are oh, you, you good for this and they're like, yeah yeah let's do it let's try it took us about half an hour to get up the top of this ridge and i did a scout around and it was very steep down the other side and I said, look, I just don't think the time it's going to, time and energy it's going to take us to get down there. And we know we've got to come up and do that. Two ridges on the way out mm-hmm. with potentially tired kids. Like one of my kids was uh, just turned six yeah. at the time. Actually, no, he may have been five. Um, he was falling over. He had cuts on his hand. Not a single complaint. Look, like yeah. he was covered in dirt, had mud all over his. Because to him, every tiny little stick's a log, and he trips over him. And yeah, sure. And um, but their their spirits were unbreakable. So we decided to go back a different way. And uh, do you remember where we parked the car and looked straight across, and there was a waterfall? I don't know if you remember that. It was high oh, yeah, up, right like up a high. high yeah. yeah, yeah. So we hiked along that ridge and dropped down and had lunch at this elevated waterfall and stream and sat there for, um, I were there probably two hours having lunch and we, I lit a little fire, Mm. don't get on my case. It's private property and I have permission. Yep. Yep. Uh, lit a fire (laughs) and I took some, uh, sausages and we cut some sticks from the trees and, um, they cooked their sausages on the fire open fire yeah perfect and we shoved them in some uh, bread rolls and mm. took a bit of sauce with us and it was just the most epic day and then we hiked out of there and i said to the whole family i said there are i'd say 95% of adults couldn't do what you did today and then another 3% wouldn't do it <laughs> Yeah, didn't want it. Whatever. Didn't want it. So yeah. that's crazy. Why would I do that? Yeah. Oh, that's too hard. But that's that's an embedded memory that that's there forever. I'll I'll never forget it because I was so amazingly proud, and and they'll never forget it because. But they never ever talk back about that event and say how hard it was or anything. they? Don't, they just talk about how cool it was cooking sausages and yeah. drinking out of the stream. Craig, I was thinking the other day about when we summited that mountain together in Tasmania. Yep. It was freezing cold. There was snow Mm. everywhere. Mm. Sleet was hitting us in the face. Yeah, for sure. And I was thinking in hindsight, I wish we had a couple of Yukon Jack bottles stashed in our jackets that day. Oh, yeah. We could have had a shot together to celebrate and just taken a bit longer to soak it all in, you know? Mm. Yeah. Actually, thinking about it now, there's quite a few times we've actually really deserved... A celebration shot and we didn't have anything with us <laughs> many times i guess the good news is at least now we've got yukon jack 50 ml bottles ready to go for any future adventures absolutely 100 proof smooth and available in five bold flavors if you're looking for the fearless choice it's yukon jack So you started your kids earlier than I did, Mm. I guess more frequently. I took my little guys when I could carry them, but I didn't really do, I just do very, very short hikes. Okay. But you had, you were taking them when you had that frame thing on your back and everything. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. But even every single day, we've got um, some little um, bushwalks behind the house here and I would strap one to my chest with just a, like a, a baby carrier and just, um, walk for just a half an hour to an hour each afternoon. And, and then we, we, I'd always, um, sort of progressed to what, what, what would you call it? Like, um, a possum carrier on the back, mm-hmm. which would carry a little bit of gear and, and, a, and an infant. And, and that was great. I mean, I took that quite seriously. I, <laughs> I really did. And, and yet I'm sure they don't quite remember those mm. occasions at all, but um, you know, I went to a number of falls and got some amazing photographs of of you know the young kids out and about in the bush mm. and yeah, it was good because they were quite compliant, they were just sitting on my back mm. and um, uh, they did love it they they were giggles the whole way most of the
0: time and um,
1: yeah, that's how it started for me and I really pushed that point because at that stage we were quite into it and I wanted mm. to Drag them along for sure.
0: Yeah. See, I didn't, I didn't do it so much at that stage. I waited until they were a little bit Uh more, well, they were definitely walking themselves. Yeah, right. I think the youngest would have been, well, I started them hiking when I only had the two boys and probably when the youngest was four or something. So I didn't really do too much before that. Mm -hmm. When they were walking on their own two feet and not tripping over every single thing. Um, that's when I started taking him on short things. Um, yeah, it's kind of brings me to, I guess the first point, um, if you are a parent or, or you have nephews or whatever, and it goes for any, any kids it goes for teenagers as well that you, that you kind of have contact with is it. I really, uh, recommend not forcing your, Love of hiking onto kids. Um, what I mean by that is not is not kind of trying to make your passion into theirs and saying not you know, and dragging them along and mm-hmm. pushing them into stuff if they're not enjoying it, and and then kind of getting frustrated because they're not enjoying it. And how could they not enjoy it? Because I think it's awesome. I do it all the time. Like um, I think there's no problem at all with introducing your kids to any of your passions. I mean, that's what we do as parents, uncles, aunties, whatever. We, um, we, you know, tell kids the things we know. We show kids the things we know. If you're into baseball, you go and throw a baseball with your nephew or your son or whatever, don't you? Like, it's just, that's what you do. That's what you know. You, um, I, my kids taking them hiking, they throw axes in the backyard, they, um, they cook on the fire. I let them light fires by themselves in the backyard. They camp out. Um, Mm. but there's also other things they do that I have not introduced them to and that I'm not personally not that interested in and that's fine as well. Mm -hmm. They don't have to, um, it's just by chance a lot of things I do with them they absolutely love, so they keep doing it. But there's other things that they're not as interested in and there's things that they're more interested in and they introduce things to me that Yeah. I sort of, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that Pokemon could evolve. Yeah. That's good, good to know.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, well, I, I guess from from when they were little and then when they got a little larger and they were able to support themselves and I, I had to work very carefully to um, keep them interested as we, as I'm sure we'll talk about, but um, they they weren't interested in the long, long sort of hikes that I wanted to take them on because when they're on my back, I did some long hikes with them yeah. and we went to these... Observation points, so or we went to these waterfalls, so we went to these places where it was about the destination, mm. and I, I, you know, honestly, you you have you, you have a chance, a, a, a strong chance there that you'll you'll um, they'll get quite bored and quite, you know, disinterested in that. So I yeah I found I've I've been taking my kids rock hopping, heaps. That's mm. the the last few months. Every time I say we're going hiking, which you know, in my mind in the past would have been a long hike. Now it's, mm. um, get your water boots on, we're going into, yeah, into a creek and.
0: De- yeah, there's, there's definitely, um. They love it. You know, and I'll get to, well, I guess I'll jump to that now is starting small is, um, like a one hour hike to a kid is an, is an uh, eternity. Yeah. A one kilometer hike, um, is. Yeah. An eternity. Yeah not in a bad way. What I mean by that is there's a one kilometer loop that, um, I used to take the kids on all the time when they were younger and it would take us about, um, um, take us nearly an hour or two to do it. Sure. Because they stop at every single bug and touch all the moss and then they, um, we stop and have a little picnic lunch and they play in the water and they chase, um, you know, little bugs around in the water and yep. we, we slow it down. And I think that that's the important thing. I think it's probably the lesson that, that you were talking about then that, yeah, you might've been able to do long distances, but when you start taking kids, it's not about distance. It's about no. experience and you quickly ruin their yep. love. By saying, "Oh no, today we're going to do 10ks and just destroying them," and that that's it. They're not interested. And no the next way. time, what happens the next time you say, "Let's go hiking," they say, "No way, man." <laughs> so, um,
1: no, they. If you find something they enjoy, and particularly um, for me, it's been um, ha- having a creek bed which they can play in while they're yeah out in the wild. That's that's really um, facilitated.
0: Yeah, and I'd say that adventure you create your hiking plans based on time that you have available, not distance. That's right. So it's how much time, okay, we've got three hours. Okay, well, we're going to go here and we're going to yeah. walk 500 meters and then we're going to play up and down this stream for two hours and then we're going to walk and check out this cave and then we're going home. Like that's... That's it. Um, that's been great. Because as soon as you go beyond that, you start to, for mm-hmm. especially for young Kids, that's just—they're not interested in the walking part. They're interested in stopping and touching everything, and uh, anywhere where there's water is more interesting than uh, yeah, yeah. No, and I'm along a <laughs> drive and,
1: and I'm sure that's why when when almost when you said you know don't force your kids into what you think is 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 great or what you enjoy doing, mm. you know, don't push that upon them. Well, it's just about letting them lead that journey themselves and. Mm. Um, and it's honestly a lot slower than you'd expect. And
0: Oh, it's, it's, but if, if, um, if you can learn anything from kids, it is yep. to move slower and notice more things. Yeah. Uh, because they will, they'll point out stuff that you didn't even see there. Yeah. Um, and have the best time doing it. hmm Um, something that I, that I did was I do a lot of, uh, stuff in the backyard. Um, fortunate to have uh, you know, more than a suburban sized property, but it doesn't mean that you can't do these things in the suburbs. And that is, um, you know, obviously we, we do a lot of bird watching. They've got their little books that they take out. and yeah. Um, every time we see a new species, um, we go through and they check them out in the book and we talk about them. Um, we do archery in the backyard. um, <laughs> they do axe throwing, probably wouldn't recommend that in the suburbs. <laughs> um, wood carving, they camp out the night uh, on occasions. And sometimes uh, like I cook a lot in the backyard in camp ovens and I'll kind of alternate between the two eldest boys and, um, on any given weekend and I'll just hand them either a fire starter, like a flint, uh, not a flint, a ferro rod or a lighter. Uh, if I don't have time to wait (laughs) and just say, hey, you're on fire duty. Can you knock me up a little fire? That's great. While I get the pots and pans ready. And they go, oh, yes, sure I can. And off they go. And they've made so many fires that they know the procedure. They know how to build them. They know what's going to get them burnt. They know how, you know, putting too much stuff on is going to make it too big. They just learn all this. The only way they learned it, Was not from watching me doing it. It was from me handing over the reins and saying, "Okay, I'm going to sit back here and I'm just going to watch you make a fire. And if you've got any questions, ask me, or I'll give you some tips." And um, you know, one of the first times I did that, I I took two eldest boys and I drew two circles in the dirt down the backyard, and I said, "You've got 20 minutes to collect your materials, and then." you're going to start making a fire with a ferro rod yeah. and then it's up to you to keep it going. All right. And that was the most valuable lessons. You should have seen them not understanding how quickly certain types of fuels burn. So they put sticks and bark on and the flames would come up and they'd go, yes, I'm, I'm killing this. Not understanding that they needed coals. So, all of a sudden they'd go back to embers and they'd be running around realizing they didn't have enough yep. fuel or not the right type of fuel. I do that too. <laughs> yeah, I've, seen, <laughs> I've seen you make fire. Um, and, uh yeah, so we get a bit off track there, but I think giving them some responsibility and some trust in something. Uh, like my two oldest boys own their own knives and they do wood carving and I've taught them all of the... Um, you know, the, what is it, the triangle of safety or whatever and (laughs) all of those sorts of things Um, and they love it and they follow the rules and they, they don't play around with things like their toys, they don't play around with their bow and arrow like it's a toy. We take them to the archery range and they shoot the arrows properly and they're members now and they've done their safety course and they know what they're doing. He's given them responsibility.
1: Logan's awesome Awesome at archery now. Yeah. He's amazing, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. So so is Angus as well, the middle boy. So um,
1: you've got three boys. What's their ages now, Tom?
0: Uh, well, that's put me on the spot. It's six, 10, and 12.
1: Right, yeah. So that's a bit older than mine. So mm. I've got a seven-year-old boy and twin five-year-old girls. Twin girls, and um, yeah, I've taken the Elliot, the eldest boy, on one overnight um, camping expedition, which has been fantastic. And this next, uh, as I said, I'm doing um, a solo. It's like a recon for where, a place where I'm going to take uh, Elliot as well. So I'm really mm, looking yeah, forward to that. yeah, just just. It just because he really did enjoy the the overnight hiking thing, and it, uh, I I made sure I planned it that it wasn't too far for us, yep. and we put a backpack on his on his shoulders, and he he was really looking forward to it. Mm. Yeah, he, he managed it well. The girls are still a bit young for for that, but I've managed just me and the three kids a number of times just to to approach a creek bed and just have a great day out. Um, yeah, two or three hours. It's been good.
0: Yeah, that's good, and that I think that's it goes back to um what I mentioned earlier about starting small and that's why I suggest you can start in your backyard with, doesn't really matter how small your backyard is. Oh, sure. Um, sleeping in a tent out there with you, with your kids. Um, if, if you, you know, if you're not allowed to have fires, you could have one of those little fire pits and roast marshmallows over. Like there's, there's Mm -hmm. ways of bringing certain things into your life, and just incrementally increasing those, mm. uh, and then before you know it, those things all join together to yeah give all of you experience.
1: No, I love how it, Tom, you've blurred that line between, um, those sort of uh, hiking or camping episodes and bringing that into home, like in your backyard, as you say, mm. on the weekends, you, you bring that home, which is, which is really good. And, um, yeah, I, not as much with me. I sort of um, have taken it as episodic approach, um, you know, a day here, a day there. Mm. Um, but, you know, it's it's courses for courses, man. The kids have, have their own little agendas and their own personalities mm. and you have to work with them too.
0: Yeah, that's right. Definitely um, flexibility is the key in whatever you're doing. Yeah, for sure. Uh, one of the points I had written down was and this is just a quick one, but just don't, don't overthink it. Um, if you're trying to, um, just plan everything to perfection, you, you might end up in And this, this kind of, I was thinking about this when I was writing and I thought it's so, so much the same as, uh, when people are trying to get fit and they overplan it. Oh, I'm going to, I need to do this before I do that. And that and just go for a walk. Just get started. Yeah. Just go for a walk for, 20 minutes a day yep. for a week and all of a sudden you're moving your body. That's what's important. It's not having to do a perfect workout. That's not important. And it's the same with kids. You don't, you're don't. you not going to do the perfect hike. The perfect hike is the one that you're doing. That's right. Yeah, the yeah. one that you've done uh, and the one that you can improve on. It's not the one that you plan for three weeks and you're kind of second guessing yourself. And mm-hmm. I mean, start real small. Like Craig's idea is great. Go to a um some kind of a reserve or a national park where you can walk for 10 minutes and be at a water hole or a, a lookout or whatever and just mm-hmm. just do that and spend um spend that time and then slowly extend those uh get so good at it your kids get um more resilient and if they're enjoying it every time they're going to be yeah sort of they'll never say no yeah if you're doing it the right way
1: yeah I take a little bit of video and I make sure that we're gonna you know show these pictures to mom or to yep. Nana or whatever on the weekend and and they get real proud of their adventure themselves and mm. yeah that, they start to they start to tell us what we what they want to do as soon as they yeah. they get there
0: yeah that's a there's a great segue into the next point I had on my list which was in involve the kids right um what we do now, with it, well, all three of them, to be honest, is um we can hand them a packing list. I'm not just talking about for a hike. I'm talking if um like we went away just for the weekend, just gone, and we just hand them a packing list. Oh, right. You're going to need, you know, we we're away for four days. You're going to need four pairs of underwear. You're going to need four yep. T-shirts. Yep. Don't forget you, your swimmers. Don't forget um this and that. And they'll go through and tick them off and... Um, obviously we've thought about important things, you know, don't forget your pajamas and your toothbrush, which they wouldn't put on their list if you let them write the list. Yeah. <laughs> but then there's room for, um, them to add a few things and, which was absolutely hilarious because I was packing the car and I walked inside and I heard my 12 year old say to the six year old, I don't know about that uh, from you might have to check with dad and, and I walked in i just started laughing he um so I made in this um wooden shield like a knight's shield and a wooden sword oh. and, he, and, he, and he had that piled up with his stuff to take to a beach holiday yeah ready to go <laughs> yeah I, I just laughed my head off and I said maybe we'll see how much room we've got like it's just funny funny. Uh, he 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 thought that's that's what he needed yeah yeah that that's that's a smart thing to take i'll grab i'll just grab my sword and shield useful yeah just in case (laughs) i want to you know play knights um rescue a a maiden yeah Yeah, there might be a a maiden (laughs) um but yeah the packing list is good fun uh letting them help plan some parts of the trip or at least Providing them with options that you you know, if you provide a kid with two or three options that you're happy with, yeah, yeah, and they choose any of those, you win, right? Yep. Um and I'm not being deceitful. I'm just saying <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, if you just say, Hey, I don't mind if we do this, this, and this and they go, Oh, we want two out of three of us want to do this. Okay, it's it's a it's a vote, we're all in. Yeah. Um that that means that when you get there they're already anticipating, oh, we're we going to that, um, lookout mm. that we all agreed on. Yes, we are. Yeah. You said it, we're doing it. It's their it. idea. Like, you know, yeah, so, that's it. Yep. That, my kids love that. Um, on the trail, uh, I quite often get them to make decisions. I've got in brackets within reason. Uh, you know, should we go left or right at this trail? Mm-hmm. I, I can do that in my local, um, got a fairly big nature reserve that i've spoken about before where i go trail running and there's tons of trails that crisscross each other and i know it so well that i can say at any intersection left right straight where do you want to go and they can um just choose whatever they want and we just keep going in that direction and i know if it's time to start heading back i start saying oh okay this time we're going to turn right because we've got to go back to the car you know so if you know an area well that's safe uh you can kind of yeah um give them some options and they take ownership of that and let them lead you know, a little float. bit let oh, yeah, I let them walk in front all the time that's, um that's that's
1: important um yeah
0: you know sometimes they're, they're way off ahead and I start saying if you can't see me I can't see you and I don't want yeah. to not be seeing you because yes. as soon as you're around the corner that's I'm not quite comfortable with that yet. Um, yeah. We recently did a trip to a friend's farm and stayed in their cabin. And, um, I, um, uh, was, I was, you know, I was working on my laptop there for the first half of the day. And then the boys were really good. They were practicing their archery and stuff and cruising around. And, um, I said, okay, as soon as I'm, as soon as I wrap this up, um, We'll go for a ride on the quad bike. So I have, uh, one in between my legs, a little guy in between my legs and then two behind me. Mm-hmm. And we jump on the quad bike and we ride around the farm. Cool. It's big, like, uh, I don't know, hundred acres or something. And <clears throat> we, I was doing exactly the same thing. We were riding along and I'd get to a, like the trail would, you know, be left or right or straight ahead or right. And I'd say, all right, guys. Which way? Right. Like, and, um, cause there's three of them, um, usually you'll get a, uh, you know, t- two are going to say one and one's going to say the other. So yeah. it kind of works out well. Yeah. <laughs> if there was only two kids, you might have a problem every single time. <laughs> so I just do a vote. It's fair. Right. And, um. But all of a sudden they're not just passengers, right? They're, no, um, I would literally not go anywhere I wanted. I just dr- drive to an intersection and go which way boys. Cause it didn't, it didn't matter. I knew where we were and at any point I could say, okay, it's time to go back. We turn around. I know where we are. Mm -hmm. We got to one point and I said, we can sit down here and have our break Mm -hmm. up on the top of this lookout, look over the whole valley, or we can go down to the river and have our snacks down there. And all three of them said, go to the river. (laughs) So we stayed on the bike, went down and they would jump off and get all the cattle gates for me. Yeah, right. Drive the jump back on the quad bike and down we went to the river and and they made all those decisions yeah. and and that they just they just said I remember them telling um I heard them telling someone else about how awesome it was. Oh, Dad just said wherever we wanted to go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. true. It was I wasn't up lying. Up I was, to us, we could just, like, just tell do him to go where you want. Here. Yeah, and he would go left. We all decided left, and he went left, and and. Yeah. They're not used to that, right? Yeah. Like how many kids are used to, um, you know, telling their parents or suggesting, can we go this way?
1: Yeah. Could not really. That would keep them switched on, even though they'd probably be loving being on the bike no mm. matter what. But oh, yeah. That would keep them switched on. I've made a few mistakes, right, with um, times when I've wanted to go on a longer hike. We've done a recent camping trip in um, Lamington National Park and... Mm-hmm some of the, some of the destinations were quite a distance and, and the kids would lose interest quickly. Yeah. Um, oh man, there was one time and we were walking back and I had to, one of the twins wanted me to carry them because it was, it was just, it's getting to her. And I, I remember throwing her up I had a backpack on, I threw her up onto my shoulders, but because the backpack was there, she landed on my head and that's when I realized I had my glasses on my, on my head. <laughs> Oh. And then I'm bleeding from the top of my head where the where the nose <laughs> things are like, and then oh and then man. I ended up having to carry her, and then but that was the worst thing because <laughs> I'd then shown the other kids that I was able to carry a child on oh, my then shoulders. Oh, you've got to carry three. Oh, so don't do that.
0: No way. I would Just don't no, ever
1: do that. No, no, no um, not
0: unless there's one significantly <laughs> younger. Like, I've, I've got a six-year-old, if I carry him. The 10 and 12 aren't going to ask <laughs> if i carry a 12 year old i got a problem
1: <laughs> yes and they'll all want it but um what, what we what we did i treat it now like a bit of a, a car trip so there's two things that which is you may hear me singing in the bush mate you may hear me singing because okay, apparently we we're the kids like that and um i spy, and, and i spy so just like just like if we we're on a car trip um honestly it's worked well that. They'll play I Spy and it will just take their mind off yeah, right. the off the march. Mm. They'll do it and just like um, singing a song, yeah, for the for the for the five or ten minutes of singing that over and over. It's um yeah, it's been useful
0: singing like things like Pantera, no,
1: Megadeth. It's usually no? do, it's usually oh. Dolly Parton. Um, oh really? Yes, yeah, actually, uh, not my choice. Uh, it's the not go- your the choice. girls' favourite song is um, Dolly Parton. Which one is it? Um,
0: I don't know. She's got a a lot of banging hits, mate. (laughs) What are you talking about? She doesn't just have one song. Yeah. Come on, man. uh, Oh, man.
1: Why can't I even think of this now? You're
0: not talking the 9 to 5 song.
1: (laughs) No, it's not (laughs) Not 9 to 5. Okay. Um, You get back to me on that one. I'll get back to you on the girl's favorite Dolly Parton song. They're going to listen
0: to this one day and they'll be disgusted that you didn't know the name of it. (sighs) Or even how it goes. Um, not Jolene. Jolene, absolutely. Yeah, Jolene. yeah they
1: sing it. That's they sing they harmonies. Are. These five-year-olds, they're crazy. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Um, time management, or rather manage time, was a a point I had, and we've already discussed a lot of these things. But plenty of breaks, more breaks than you think you need, need to be factored in. Sure. Um my kids are just growing out of it. But even six months ago, the second they start burning calories and you're walking down a trail, honestly, those kids burn through the food Mm. in 20 minutes. Yeah. I'm hungry. You sit down, you feed them 20 minutes later. I'm hungry. And, and I believe them. like, they're not milking it. They're legitimately, they burn through it so quick. So you got to have, The snacks there, um, which I will get to snacks later. But yeah, plenty of breaks, which would lead straight into, obviously that means short sections, so short bursts of walking. If you can make those bursts align with features, a stream, a lookout, a cool log to sit on, that's a bonus. But if not, you just do what you can, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, Sometimes and this is it, like we said, flexibility, flexibility, flexibility. You might have a destination in mind and it's um, it's only another five minutes, but you need to listen and you need to call it and say, you know what? We're taking a break now. We're still going to see the lookout, but we're taking a break now and then we're going to walk for five minutes and then you'll see the lookout. Yeah. Because sometimes you just got to call it. You can tell when they're agitated, you can tell when that. Because if you let them go, if you let them get too exhausted, they don't recover like adults. If you let them go past exhaustion, leave them not eat for too long, they'll actually just kind of fade and they'll never come back. Mm-hmm. Um, for the rest of the day, they'll be gassed because mm-hmm. you pushed them a bit too far for 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. So you got to keep an eye on that. Yeah, um, right. yeah, That that's one of the things I've learned is keep an eye on them and. Um, leave loads of time to explore. You said that with you, you know, rock hopping down the streams. Don't make yep. it a three-hour hike. Make it a yep. fifteen-minute hike with three hours at the stream. Oh, for sure, that's, <laughs> that's right. That's right. That, so- that, that, that's, they love that.
1: Oh, I reckon I could climb up to that branch. And then you go, oh, but we got to keep going. No. Okay. That's the opportunity actually is to let them go and climb up to that branch. And, yes. I 100% agree. Yeah. Yes. And, that's and, exactly right. And that's what they'll take home. And that's what they'll want to talk about. That's exactly
0: right. It's, it's stopping and it's actually listening. Really. Listening to it's what listening they say. listening and communicating. They say, dad,
1: yeah. is, is that, <laughs> is that a snake poo? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, let
0: me taste it <laughs> yes it's definitely snake poop.
1: um and so you, you'll stop and you'll examine and you'll actually <laughs> um, touch it and you'll
0: cre- smell it, create a little bit of a game right on your shirt
1: there could be more let's keep looking and <laughs> all of a sudden you know it's not just uh, a hike anymore it's it's, mm. a, it's a it's a bit of fun nah, time that's yeah.
0: good and I, your kids are at that age where that's pretty yeah um Pretty much, but I don't think any kid gets home and says, "Ah, oh, yeah, we um, knocked out um, ten kilometers today. Yeah, that's what I was aiming for." Yeah, no, they, but they, it's I don't care if it's three hundred meters. Yeah, they'll still take three hours. But it's
1: very age and very child specific hmm. how that unfolds. You know
0: yeah, exactly, and the dynamics of your of the siblings.
1: Yeah, like sort of oh. Like
0: my um, eldest is so. Um, accommodating and so kind and yeah, thoughtful helps the yeah, yeah. the other two. Yep, yeah. and um, you know that that makes my life easier. Yeah, but if I didn't have that, if I had a moody teen, you know, then then a lot of that work would fall back on me, and I'd be trying to manage him. But not not that I hope I never get that the way that he's um growing up, but mm. um, you never know. Um, setting rules, uh, before, maybe before you even leave the house and then reinforce before you hit the trail. Um, we're pretty big on leave no trace. And I think, uh, it doesn't matter what you call it with the kids. Um, even in my backyard, I've had other kids, um, come to play with my kids and I've, Mm. um, and I, now I give them a spiel before they head out in my backyard, Whereas I used to not say anything. And then I, I was one kid was smashing his ball into this plant and just breaking all the branches off and I, and his dad's just standing right next to him watching it and that's in my backyard. I'm thinking, uh, and I had to stop and say, Hey mate, we don't do that here. We, we look after all. And then the kind of father went, Oh my God. Oh, sorry. You know, it just wasn't aware. Yeah. And so now, when new kids come to play, I just say, "Hey, kids! Yeah, we've got a couple of rules we follow here. We don't hurt any animals, any bugs, spiders, yeah, um, any plants. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we don't sort of break branches off. We don't do any of that. But stuff. that's
1: yeah, and that's their. Um, a lot of kids, their natural inclination is to pick up bugs, and, and I, I, I I saw my kids go through a lot of phases with um with that, and it, it is a really, really good rule to set when you go out mm. is that, hang on, this is a place where we don't, um, touch or pick up or, or interact. Yeah. We watch, we observe, we yeah. uh, take photographs. Actually, one of, one of my points to mention is that oh mm. um, I loved having a, a little camera for Elliot when he was, mm-hmm. well, even from when he was young and he's, he's had that to take with him and, yep. um, yeah, I think it's uh, it's different to when they were just, if, if they come across a moth at home, they want to chase it down and, um, yeah. I don't know, string it up or whatever they yeah, want to yeah, do yeah, with it, yeah. you know, but we don't no, do that out there.
0: There's a difference between looking at, say, for example, looking at some beautiful moss growing on a tree trunk or getting a stick and trying to scratch it off. Yeah, right. It, yep. It's not like, I mean, the kid's intention is not to destroy things, but it is... Part of their kind of learning and development is to, to almost to try and break things to see what things are made of, you know, so you kind of get it, but there's definitely a responsibility from any custodian, uncle, auntie, father, mother, when you're heading out to these places, um, Mm. that you keep a tight rein on. Um, the way they interact with.
1: Yeah, I like that, setting rules. And I think some of those rules can become um, a a conscious activity for them. So I think what you just said ab- about leave no trace, did you tell me once you got your kids to, and I, I've started to do this where they uh, look pick up anything that's rubbish and carry mm. it out, and yep. um, you can almost, as you enter a place and say this is a, a day out, let's make sure we pick up. Yeah, Whatever absolutely. Fed there was um one of the rules. Down in
0: my no, sorry, down in my um hmm. activities which I think's the last point we'll okay. cover is is um yeah, we'll we'll pick up trash. We'll pick, pick up, up rubbish, trash. Yeah. Take it out. Yeah. Uh, why would we leave it sit there and walk past it? Um so yeah, then they're big into that. Yeah, and They'll still sure. spot it a mile away and say how bad it is. Oh, yeah. Look at that this beautiful stream, and someone's throwing that in there. I just can't believe some people. Yeah. That's horrible. Yeah, good. And they'll go home and pick it up. Yeah. Anything. And that, that lesson's going to be with them forever. Right. Can you honestly see any of those three boys? No. Throwing a, uh, you know, a Coke can into a stream? No. But there's no way they'd do that. No, It's not because they're going to, it's nothing to do with them getting in trouble. It's t- to do with their respect for where they are. Yeah. It's 100% respect. They're not mm-hmm. going to get in trouble from me. Yeah. I mean, they would if I was there. But my point is when they grow up, they just know they're that, not going to get in trouble. If that, I, it, that right it's what, wrong. It, it's what they do when you're not watching is how well you can gauge that they're doing. For sure. Because <laughs> if you're watching, it's different, right? Yeah. It's what it's, it's, are they going to do that when you're not there? Mm-hmm. And that's where you, and if you build it through respect for the environment, then they're going to act exactly the same as if you aren't, you are or aren't there. Yeah, right. It's completely different to that kind of telling them off and yelling at them. It's completely different. Mm-hmm. Uh, clothing, which will probably roll into gear, it's very similar to yourself. You want to stick with layers. Um, I'd say, for the most part. I always winter, summer, whatever I make and wear long pants Yeah, because for one it's, um, percentage wise, it's, it's hugely beneficial for, you know, not getting, um, not being as susceptible to ticks, ticks and muzzies, not getting exactly not mozzies, sand flies, um, even less chance of a, a snake strike, um, Now, before anyone wants to correct me, I'm not talking about the fangs not being able to go through the fabric, I'm talking about a snake will strike at the object, so if you've got baggy pants on, it'll strike at the fabric, it doesn't know Mm -hmm. that it has to strike through the fabric. Yeah, for sure. So it's a proven fact that, uh, like farmers and people who wear long Mm -hmm. jeans... Mm -hmm. Um, get hit a lot, but don't actually get bitten because they have those kind of boot cut jeans and they just get hit on the jeans, not the actual skin. Yeah. It makes sense. Um, so yeah, that's my point there. Um, and they fall over and graze their knees and everything. And, uh, I think that's a good idea to have the long pants, obviously things like sun protection. You want a good quality rain jacket in the pack. Uh, I'm teaching them. We just take rain jackets doesn't matter i don't care if it's mm-hmm. summer we take rain jackets yeah. because that's what i'm teaching them is you take a rain jacket because this can turn around so quick mm-hmm. or you could fall in the creek and get completely saturated what's what uses a rain jacket or you can take your shirt off yeah. and you can wear the rain jacket mm-hmm. um you know just to while your shirt's drying or something um, at least you've got something yeah uh, I think that's important to, you know, obviously they carry their water bowls and stuff like that. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it's pretty logical. What Whatever you would throw on your kid to go down the park, you should be including that and then some, um, hats and stuff like that. Hiking poles. I mean, my kids usually, um, s- sometimes they'll take a proper hiking pole of yeah. mine. Yep. Other times they'll grab a stick on the way yeah. or they'll decide not to take a hiking pole and then later on they'll pick up a stick and yeah. oh no, actually it is better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, and those poles are so useful for not just their balance, but, um, you know, checking, I don't know, anything, the depth of water, checking if they can step on a log. If it's rotten or not before they step on it just just anything like that, I think it's pretty handy
2: yeah cool
0: um gear what sort of um I mean we can talk obviously um you know there's there's a backpack and but then there's things that I think if they take again it comes down to ownerships and their own special um things that they carry that excite them. If they're carrying these things, they're going to be more into the whole adventure instead of, oh, dad carries everything. Mm -hmm. I don't really feel a part of it. Yep. My boys carry their own special knives that they've got. They, um, yeah, you might have, they've both got, the two oldest ones have got, actually all three have got binoculars and they love watching birds and stuff. Mm -hmm. So the binoculars come along. The camera. The camera comes along.
1: The um, head torch. Which... Yeah,
0: head torches. Uh, again, that's like a sort of a habit thing is you'd say, you yep. throw your head torch in anyway. It doesn't take up any room. That's if right. we get lost or yep. we someone hurts themselves and we have to wait for them to recover and it's nighttime, yep. you'll be glad you threw the head torch in. Yes. Uh, it's a safety precaution that we should be teaching them from an early age. Um things like a little cutlery set or their own you know like collapsible cup or something that belongs just to them they carry those things and when it's time to use them they get them out and they're so excited because they get yep. to use this thing they got for their birthday or they saved up and purchased um, then I, th- I think the important thing with a backpack is on, on the first hike I mean, I'd almost give it to them empty and just put one thing in it, their rain jacket or something, or their head torch, like you said, yeah. or a book or, or something. Just keep it because real simple because as an adult, the first time, you, you get any adult that's never hiked and you put a pack on and put five kilos in it, mm-hmm. put the tiniest amount in it mm-hmm. and they'll walk for an hour and they'll say, oh, my shoulders are sore and oh, wow, this is... Wow, I'm just getting more tired than I normally do. Like it, it's a big impact on the body when yep. you've never experienced it. So mm-hmm. you take that and multiply it with a little kid, and you'll, as I said before, you'll destroy them pretty early if you um if yep. you try and load them up.
1: And I've I've done the the research to try and get a decent pack that can bear a bit of weight for a, a child, and until they're seven or eight, there's, there's nothing that's going to be able to downsize to their back and carry it on their hips anyway.
0: There's probably a point to that. There's probably a reason for that. You're not supposed to. So
1: yeah, you won't be able to find a pack that does that. And also, there are a couple actually, but that's, um, they're not very common. But the main point there is that, yeah, I just, I just, they just take like their school bag basically. And they just take uh, very little weight in it. Um, just, as you said, just a bit of clothing or.
0: Some participation. A little bit of, um, snacks and stuff. Snacks. If they can carry their own snacks and water bottle, I mean. Yeah. You're, you're better off. <laughs> yeah. And I think what you need to consider as well is for me and for you, if you give three kids backpacks and you overload them, you better be prepared. You better have <laughs> space in your backpack. <laughs> to be carrying their stuff. I'm not even joking about that. You should always have, um, some extra space to say, and that's why when I hike with my kids, I take a full pack. I take a pack that I would take overnight. Yeah. It's not full. It doesn't have much in it at all. It's got the stove Mm -hmm, in it, mm -hmm. my rain jacket, a bit of food for everyone, water Mm. for me. But the point is, if I, if one of them gets really tired or, Mm. you know, sprains and ankle or whatever, I'd say, oh, give me a pack and I can stuff the whole thing into my pack, and mm-hmm. It's no extra weight for me. I don't care. Mm. I'm used to like five times that. Yeah. Um, But just knowing that you can take that load off them if you have to, I think that's, mm. that's probably a, so on that point, like I said, I always overcompensate with my packs. Mm. I always have a pack that's way too big. Yeah. yeah but I take heaps of. Heaps of safety stuff and everything in it. Yeah, for sure. That's, I usually throw in a tarp even. I'll throw in the tarp off my hammock. So if some bad weather rolled in and we had to mm. sit it out for an hour, I'd just string up a tarp real low. Yep. Yeah. And uh, we'd just huddle under that and have a bit of fun. Which they would love. Wish they would love, yeah. Yeah. So, but not having that, the difference between not having that tarp and having it. Yeah. Imagine like being, sitting there and just getting smashed by a storm mm-hmm. for an hour is that's a long hour for some kids.
1: Yeah, I think it's our job to sort of have that planning and that thoughtfulness.
0: Yeah, a little mm. bit. Yeah, in some respects I do plan for the worst, but um but uh it it's never hmm. it's never come to that. I hope it never does, but I'm always ready for it. Yeah. The worst thing to be would be having that responsibility and not and thinking that, ah, oh, I won't bother taking first aid kit today should be right. Yeah. That's yeah. Uh, just ridiculous.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I don't have, a, I haven't had any firsthand experience, but particularly the um, first aid that I've thought about with the young kids is, is the instant ice and the burn, the burn um, potential with around fires and stuff like that, mm-hmm. because young kids are just more, more prone to those sort of mm. Bruising and uh, and burning and stuff, but um, luckily I haven't had any serious injuries out yeah. there. But we've got it, yeah, we've got to sort of disclaim here. Hey, if you're going to take your kids out, be real careful. They are prone to injury and <laughs> yeah. disaster and...
0: They're going to slip.
1: Oh, can I tell you? They're going to trip. Can I tell you what happened last weekend?
0: If you want, if yeah, if you don't <laughs> mind getting the onslaught of people DMing me saying how bad you are as a parent, uh, <laughs> go for it. <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah. So we had to just um, leave the creek and just do a little, uh, like a little goat track around the around the rocks, and it was uh, there was a little two meter drop down to down to a little bit of rocks. What's
0: a little two meter drop? Well, it's isn't not, that a two meter? It's drop? like
1: a, a big two meter drop, but it's a bit smaller. <laughs>
0: okay, and,
1: and, but it seemed little, but when when you think about it's it two meters and um,
0: two meters is um uh, what's that? <clears> That's <throat> more than six, six foot. About six a bit foot. more than that. Yeah.
1: All right. And, um, one of the twins was leading us, Bonnie, she was leading the way and I, I, her, um, she had just had a sand shoes on and she was, um, a little bit of pebbly stuff and she just went towards the edge and her feet just slipped out from under her and she, um, fell on her bum and her feet sort of went over the edge and she turned and just sort of caught herself and she was just basically hanging over the edge, oh, <laughs> and I um. But I saw it all in slow motion, and I had a backpack on. But I sort of leapt towards her, and I had it was like I was on roller skates. I've just sort of skidded towards her, and had my hand just in a, on her bicep, just as she'd sort of turned to onto a tum- stomach. Yep. And I just had her there by the bicep, but. Like it was just also so close to me going over the I edge you were as well. Say,
0: she, she was fine until you she, yeah, it slipped was, and booted her I off. I made
1: this whole thing worse. <laughs> but um, no, the kids would call me Fireman Sam after that. <laughs> <laughs> it turned out to be quite amazing, like experience. But uh, and she was almost in shock that she was just quiet about it all for the next five minutes. But yeah, she had a few scratches on her knees yeah. and stuff, and scary stuff. It can happen. Yeah, it I'm can t- happen.
0: From my experience with the show Fireman Sam, my, my kids used to watch it. Um, or oh, not only is that an honor for you to be called, that, but um, if you ever go to that place where he lives, I mean, I just would not go there because every single episode is that complete disaster. Things are on fire. People are nearly dying. I'm thinking, well, don't just move away. Yeah. Don't live there anymore. Yeah. Uh, if spread? Sam moves away, you're all dead. <laughs> uh, you're all dead. Uh, on that note, let's get jump to food. We're almost there. Hang in there, guys. Um, we talked about snacks. Uh, this one is, again, kid-specific and parent-specific. Uh, the My boys love beef jerky. They love salted cashews those sorts of things are things we don't really eat at home so when they hit the trail and they get that salt you know because they're sweating and that's what i take on hikes as well because i just love that saltiness and the um being able to chew on something and you kind of Mm -hmm. um they like those sorts of things obviously you know you take your muesli bars your granola bars whatever you want to call them um and then the rest is up to you but it's just gotta be um transportable and um, you know, I wouldn't go taking stuff that your kids never tried before. Mm. You get out there and find they don't want to touch it, you got a problem. <laughs> bush tucker time. <laughs> yeah, bush tucker time. <laughs> Ever tried snake, mate? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, like I said, we I took those sausages out on that hike and because we're able to make a fire make a we fire, yeah. cooked on a fire yeah. and we had the time you know i we left early in the morning and had all day um you can take things like oats um make little oat cakes uh you can make things really interesting you take a very small fry pan and have a lot of fun with it mm-hmm. um you can do what little was it harvey did and have your um Skittles sprinkled on your, <laughs> yep. on your peanut butter um, yep. tortilla. I mean, the kids are burning that much energy out there. It's not going to matter. Treat them. That's do, right. Do you remember that hike that we did in Tasmania? Oh, um, we turned the up jelly at that beans. hut. No, no, not the jelly beans. We turned up at that hut and it was freezing cold and it was raining, storming. And um, the guy says, "Oh, do you want to?" What do you call it? A, oh, do you want a Snickers? Do you want a Snickers roll or, or a Snickers tortilla? What, what, are you, what are you talking about?
1: What's this? I don't remember
0: this. You remember this? He get he got a. Um, I'm not sure it was with you. Yeah, it was with you. Yeah, it was in the kitchen hut, the first hut. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Pulls out a, I, um, I was thinking one of
1: the huts we he stayed pulls
0: in. pulls out Pulls out a um, a tortilla. A nice soft one too. It's like a, and, and then he gets, um, this jar of peanut butter. Yeah, I remember that. And he puts on this massive chunk of peanut butter down the middle. Yeah. Then he cut off this big long wedge of, I can't remember exactly what cheese it was. Something like Brie, something like, like something like that. Or it might've been Camembert. I feel like it was more like Brie, slightly sweeter slaps on this big chunk of cheese mm-hmm. and then he got a massive um spoon or knife full of um nutella which is like a hazelnut spread if you're not familiar with that and and put that on and then he just wrapped it up and goes he get that into you i mean it must have been like calories 000 calories <laughs> in this thing but i tell you what it tasted so good and uh I don't know, I've thought about that a lot and I thought that's- Every day. (laughs) That's that's why I'm putting on weight and just eating for breakfast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, No, it's something I think in cold weather, like that's absolutely ace. Yeah. Such a good idea. Yeah, true. And you can't afford to pump up the calories.
1: Yes. Um, Uh, Snakes are they called Um, and um, jelly beans. mm. You know, the kids love them, they'll just- reward them, uh, as you say, break the journey up with a few little, um, sugar, sugar hits. Why not?
0: Mm, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, why not? It it doesn't matter in the whole scheme of things. Yeah. Um, speaking about awesome, uh, food on the trail, on the first day of the canoe trip with dad, I took two, um, sorry, not two, I took four pork, uh, steaks out of the freezer. Yeah. Put them in a cooler bag. Yeah. We left I left at four or well, in the morning, got into camp at about three in the afternoon, mm. that same day, That's and right. they were just kind of still cool to the touch, but yeah. thawed out. Yep. And, uh, I bought some apples on the way and I made apple sauce and, uh, potato mash all over like the normal cooking stove <laughs> <Right-o>. <laughs> and, and cook these steaks up in a fry pan. And it was just the most epic meal ever.
1: Hang on, normal cooking stove, what's that?
0: The hiking stove.
1: Oh, like a little crux.
0: Yeah, the crux. Yeah, right. How I do
1: you cook time. a steak over that? I'm thinking of doing it um, this weekend. How do you you need to need to have a pan? You like need not, a pan. not just the crux. And pot. I take
0: um no, no, no. No, you need take I, I have a pan from a different yep. set. Makes sense. Yeah. And uh, the trick is I take ghee which I think I've told you before. Oh, I took it on that trip. We went on to the Oh waterfall. That's, that's butter
1: that doesn't. It's
0: rendered butter. So it doesn't yeah, have the dairy in yeah. it anymore. So I take the ghee. Sure. And so it travels well. And I put a bunch of that in. So I think that's also why it tasted good because it was cooked in butter. Um, if and you- then what I actually do is I hold, there's a tip for anyone trying to do this on those, any sort of jet boil or whatever. You can actually grab the handles and lift the pan up while you're cooking if it's getting too hot too quick. Yeah, right. Because Because some of those you can't... Regulate too much. Regulate very well at all. I think with the crux you can, I was doing okay with that. (laughs) Yeah. But um, when I'm cooking things like oats in the morning, Mm. I'll actually hold it up above the flame and stir it because it cooks too quickly.
1: Yeah. Hey, I'm just thinking out loud, there's no... Um, there's no reason to say I couldn't take a frozen steak if it's sealed in like, we call it cryovac, right? If it's sealed up. No,
0: vacuum seal. Vacuum seal? <laughs> Cryovac's um, like Walt Disney, isn't it? No,
1: oh, it could be. <laughs> <That's>, is that <laughs> Walt Disney stuff? I don't know. What's vacuum the... seal and, um. <laughs> no, he's
0: not vacuum sealed.
1: Even though it goes to a room temperature, uh, the second night it would be okay. Oh, no. No, you have to keep it cold the whole time. I D- wouldn't.
0: Yeah, there's no way I'd, I mean, if you were in winter in Australia, in winter I'd say, yeah, probably be fine because you'd probably find it was still icy the first night. But don't let it go to... No, nah, I'd be take. I'd be eating it the first night. Eat it the first night. As I have done with, I've gone out with you before and cooked the yeah, steak. Yeah, yeah, we've done it um, a few times. Yeah. But I just take it frozen in the morning, eat it that night, it's done. Okay. Yeah, you wouldn't not, not especially not in the weather at the moment. Yeah, it's a bit warm, eh? Man, you'll end up being out there for a long time, <laughs> calling in the chopper. <laughs>
1: yes. No. Uh,
0: we've already touched on the kind of, um, you know, you're suggesting making some games and I Spy and yeah, sure, um, singing Dolly Parton, <laughs> things like that. Um, something that uh, my wife actually started doing around the backyard, which the kids love. Uh, and you can adopt that to a camping trip or hiking is they do a treasure hunt. She gives them a paper bag and just a little, some kind of sandwich bag and writes. A list. um, Yeah. Sort of four or five things like a. Yes. A pebble or a brown leaf or a yellow leaf and off they go million miles an hour. Yeah. That's been great and stuff. Um, and they have to bring it back yep. and get it checked off. Yeah. Um, if you don't want to kind of encroach on the environment that much, you, you, you can just do it visually. Like yeah. say, Hey, so, you know, you got to see moss and then you tick can tick off. that off. Oh yeah, there's moss. You don't have to collect it. Leave it, alone. it. You yep. just see it and tick it off. So you can do that sort of thing. hmm Um, journaling, m- my kids do a little bit of writing. Um, they do a lot of sketching in their little books. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. The both very the two eldest ones are great at drawing the eldest one in particular draws birds amazingly mm-hmm. well. Uh, we already talked about collecting rubbish and photography. Uh, and the binoculars as well is another thing that they they um seem to love sneaking around looking at yeah at birds that we don't get in our sort of home area whenever yeah. we travel. Uh, there's a whole new bunch of birds to check out and i think allow time to play which you've touched on quite a few times is um make sure that play is included in that and that's just free play like you don't put any boundaries on it just hey guys i'm going to sit down and uh or dad's going to take some photos over here you guys do whatever you want or i'm gonna sit down and rest and um you know you guys just if you stick to this area, go nuts. You know, yeah. I think that's uh, that's good. Let them play. And something which is probably maybe not appropriate for kids of your age, but older um, kids, especially into the teens, is um, alone time, like time by themselves. Even if you're hiking as a group, uh, if you stop at a place, mm-hmm. um, it's okay for... One of them, like quite often my eldest will wander off with his camera and maybe just go sit on a rock or a log and he'll All just right. be observing nature and even if he doesn't take any photos, he'll be um, uh, just enjoying that peace. I
1: love how you've time. told me that he's actually stayed outdoors in the backyard on his own a few times.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, um, I think that's after oh, he was watching Alone.
1: I think you mentioned that on this podcast anyway uh, too. I think I
0: might, yeah. He, he, um, he didn't make the whole night but. It was the night that he had planned. We couldn't change it or it had to be that night and massive storms rolled through and he he got rained on three times. (laughs) He, he restarted the fire twice, Hmm. which I just can't believe. He didn't have a lighter. He was doing it with the ferro rod. Really? He restarted it twice. Wow. And the third time he spent 25 minutes and couldn't get it going and then he just sat soaking wet in his shelter for a couple of hours and then he um, he, uh, yeah, he pulled the pin and I said, hey, you should not be ashamed of that effort. I said, as soon as it started raining, I would have yeah. walked inside. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah.
1: Um, hey, I um, I did add a couple of things sure. to that list um, f- for this hiking with kids episode. I thought you can't do it without oh, camping wise, glow sticks. Have you ever? Yeah,
0: we take them on when we camp. Yeah, for the, sure. these
1: are things that kind of in, intrigue the kids. You can mention it earlier in the day that yeah. it may come up later. We'll have glow sticks. Um, similarly, they marshm-
0: definitely go crazy for yeah,
1: that. Yeah, they go crazy I for love them. it. They love it. Marshmallows, having joke books are
0: awesome. Joke books, yeah. Don't you have enough <laughs> repertoire? <laughs>
1: Oh, I don't know why I wrote that talk? actually. Oh, I'll take that off. I'll oh, take you, that off. You mean
0: that the I'm very book funny. that you you're the author of. No,
1: that's just right. My own joke books.
0: <laughs> Craig's Aussie Jokes book. <laughs> I,
1: I should have actually this list is no good. Uh walkie walkie talkies <laughs> <laughs> which yeah. is UHF's. Um Yeah.
0: So we take them on well, on our um a couple of our different holidays. Yeah. I've got a good a really good set and I'll keep one. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And the boys will have one between them. And they're allowed to sort of... And they'll go beyond where we can see them. Mm -hmm. And we'll check in and we'll have call signs, you know, just Mm -hmm. for safety. If we're at a populated caravan park or something, we'll have a call sign where they don't... They never say where they are and they know all of that kind of safety
1: stuff. So if you're a listener and you've got that walkie-talkies at home, you could, you know, incorporate Mm. it, I reckon.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And
1: one other thing which I have not tried, but it looks fun is color change magic flames have you tried oh yeah
0: them? yeah my neighbor um my neighbor bought some for the boys yeah. i think it was my neighbor and uh yeah we we threw them on and they're pretty spectacular is it good yeah yeah no it is even for adults
1: yeah so you say hey tonight we're gonna to have the color change yeah yeah it's
0: pretty cool yeah but it's full rainbow yeah. It's ridiculous. Makes the flames um, change. There was a uh, <clears throat> Facebook post I saw going around. I've actually saved it for my own um, personal <laughs> benefit. Uh, it was um, a whole bunch. It was about for, sort of five or six things that you find in the home pantry. Hmm. And it's obviously some of those things are probably what's in these and they give off different colors. Chuck in the fire. Things like um, flour. Yeah. Right. Um, gives off a different color to sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, I think another one might've been baking soda or something. So you can, um, research that. Stuff you might have. You'll find it on Pinterest or whatever. It'd take you five seconds. Um, and get some things out of the pantry and just sprinkle them on the fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause I'm not exactly sure how many chemicals those things are pumping into the atmosphere. Yeah. Um, I don't know what's in them, but, uh, to your point, they look fantastic. Yeah. All right. Yeah, really, right. And they go for ages. Yeah. We just couldn't stop staring at them. They're yeah. just unbelievable.
1: Yeah. yeah. So that's more if you're going to go camping with the kids or overnight yeah. or, or whatnot. Take some of those things. You'd be silly not to, I reckon. Hmm. Yeah. That's my list done.
0: Yeah. Look, that's about it. Uh. There's, th- this has been, Um. I should have mentioned this at the start. Uh Robin requested this a long time ago yeah our friend Robin uh, if you know anything about the podcast you'll know
1: who Robin is
0: who Robin is who who he, he is. is yeah <laughs> uh, yeah Robin a long time ago requested because he's got young children uh, yeah and he, yeah he requested that some time ago and I said I, I promise we'll get to it because while a lot of listeners do not have kids they may do in the future or they may travel with friends with kids or they may uh like I said you might be an an uncle or an auntie or something mm-hmm. and and want to take um take your nephew or niece out for yep. a few hours because you're into hiking, you might want to introduce them to that. That might be something you do together. Uh, I've taken, uh, one of my nephews hiking on a, on a three-day hike and, um, you know, we get on really well, but when we did that, we, we had the best time ever. Like, he's a great kid and. Yeah. I saw his eyes, he's already an outdoors kid, but I saw his eyes open mm-hmm. when we were sitting, eating dinner up on the range there at Lemington. Righto. We stayed at Bethongabel. Yeah, you told me that. <clears throat> we stayed at actually stayed at um, Echo Point the first night, Bethongabel the second, and on that second night we sat for, you know a few hundred meters from camp, just looking out mm. as the sun was going down, eating dinner, and and it, I just he just said, "This is what it's all about. Like this is mm-hmm. living. This is it." And, uh, he's next year he's going to, he's moving to Tasmania to do marine biology, I think, if I've got that correct. So he's definitely, that was probably two years ago. I'm not saying I influenced him in any way. What I'm saying is he had that Hmm. connection with nature and now he's following through with it Mm. and you can just see that appreciation in him.
1: Yeah, right. And he's, he's not like our kid's age. No, he's,
0: um, 17 or something. Yeah,
1: I mean, you know, growing up with the outdoors adds a whole other dimension to the hiking experience that we've been harping on about for a few years here, Tom. Mm.
0: Yeah, it is. Uh, Yeah, that's right. I think it's it's, um, now we're moving into that realm where we're introducing uh, our kids to it Mm -hmm. and um, building up that. I, I didn't have anyone give me the knowledge base that I'm, and I'm not having. I go with my own parents. Like they took us camping a lot, but my knowledge base um, is quite broad. And you know, allowing the kids to,
2: mm.
0: you know, throw axes and stuff like that. Um, it's I'm uh, just building such a broad spectrum mm. of um, responsibilities and things like lighting fires and. Mm. stuff that we've talked about is just adding to that that growth and all of its respect it's all respect respective yep. whether it's respect of a, a sharp tool or um a mm. fire that can burn you or nature it's uh it's all a fundamental part of the lessons that they learn that they don't realize they're learning and they're the best ones
1: and they teach us things too along the they way do. so oh.
0: That's it. I think if you can, if you, if you take that attitude, uh, move at their pace, it's okay to be a kid, be a kid, join in with them. Yeah. Move at their pace and join in with their games and. Get your shoes wet. That's exactly right. Don't, don't be so stuck in, um, um, the, the ways we can, we, we go into the role of an adult or the role of a parent and we get so stuck in these roles that are defined for us that we, uh, it's hard to break out of them because, Oh, I'm the parent. I can't be, like you say, I can't get my boots wet. Mm-hmm. They're worth $450. Mm-hmm. Why would I do that? That's silly. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, maybe you should, maybe yeah. you should get your feet wet. Take your boots off, go yeah. in barefoot. That's like, right. just experience things from a different perspective. Have you seen, um, captain fantastic no. movie with um oh. video mortensen
1: no i haven't seen it
0: you gotta watch it yeah yeah one, one of my mates i used to work with I, I took him on a hike recently and uh he said oh he said oh as soon as i watched it i was thinking of you like raising your kids <laughs> <laughs> he said you gotta see it you absolutely have to see it and uh and, uh, it, it'll bring a tear to your eye at the same time. It'll make you laugh and smile. Like it, it's good stuff. Yeah. For Absolutely. Sure. Um, fantastic movie. So I'll leave you with that
1: yeah anyway I was conscious that we were going to be um, talking about our kids and and what we do with them and how we've brought them up. I didn't want this to be anything about you know how how to be a parent or how to n- mm. not be a parent or how to um, interact with your kids I mean that that's for you to choose but if you can you know if our listeners can pick up anything from from us or any of our experiences here then I think this would have been you know worthwhile
0: yeah and n- nobody knows if they're doing Parenting right until they see their twenty-one-year-old um, mm. kids. You know, we're all just doing the best we can. It's not about our kids, as you say. Yeah, yeah. It's just about this is all I know. The the stories I'm telling you that that's all I know. Um, mm-hmm. You might have a better perspective of a lot of things, and um, yeah, that's great. But uh, like Craig says, there might be some things that you never thought of, or a different way of approaching a situation that you never thought of um, but yeah get out there start small start next weekend just get it done and make it a habit mm-hmm. very good thanks guys been a long one good to be back we'll be back uh, again in the near future that's my plan okay all right thanks craig thanks guys take it easy and uh, we'll catch you on the next one see you later see ya If you're listening to this podcast on iTunes, we'd really appreciate your ratings and comments if you can spare the time. If you'd like to know more about Hike or Die TV and keep track of our adventures around Australia, make sure you drop by hikeordie.com. That's where you'll find all the information you'll need to follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Pinterest. As always, we appreciate your support. Thanks for listening.